For more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Good morning, Winnipeg. Good morning, Manitoba. For all those joining us live this morning from here, there, and everywhere, we say good morning, universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. With Dave Manouk, with Ezra Ginsberg, I'm the currently incarcerated Drew Mandel, <laughs> joining you live from Danamora Prison, where I'm doing three to five for writing bad checks. Uh, that's morning, hilarious. Yes, I thought you. you were at the zoo, Drew. Like, I wasn't oh. sure what was going on, but uh, well, yeah. yeah, I guess you're locked up. I'm locked up. We had a good run. You know, uh, you're very nice of the authorities to grant me uh, permission to do the show, though, from prison. You know, every now and then uh, you never know when they're going to, you know, take away some of my privileges. But for now, uh, I'm here at least for the first hour of this morning's program to talk about the Winnipeg Jets. Good to see both of you gentlemen. I'm not, in fact, in prison. Believe it or not, folks, I'm on vacation with my family. But I said, no, no, no. Family, kids, despite your crying and your sobbing that you want to spend more time with me, I have to start my Saturday morning with Dave and Ezzy. So it is it's also seven in the morning in LV. So I think uh, your your family, if they're awake, they're probably still eating breakfast or just uh, wiping the cobwebs out of the eyes. Right, Drew? Yes, it is a little bit. Uh, we're in Pacific time, so it is a couple hours earlier, and I think the kids are enjoying a little bit of cartoons before we uh, get started with our day today. Naomi said that the kids can't watch SpongeBob, which Ruben calls Scrungebob. It's hilarious. But Naomi says they can't watch SpongeBob because she heard the word idiot. And I didn't even think that that was that bad, but apparently... Especially because that's what she calls you on an hourly basis. <laughs> apparently for three-year-olds and four-year-olds, you know, idiot isn't the best word. So no more, no more Scrungebob. Oh, well, that's very disappointing for everybody involved in the household, undoubtedly. Does that mean she has to stop calling you idiot, or is that still allowed? No, it actually means that I'll be showing them a bootlegged version of Cocaine Bear tonight, Drew. (laughs) (laughs) That's just good parenting, if you ask me. Uh, In any event, gentlemen, good to see you both on this Saturday morning. I thank you both for uh, taking care of the post-game show uh, on Thursday. We actually never, we didn't even realize that you weren't on it, Drew, to be honest with you. Like, halfway through, Dave's like, Hey, Drew's not on the show. And then I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a good observation. I totally didn't even think of that. So yeah, no, it was lots of fun and always a good time with the chat when the Jets get the, the win, because we know that they haven't been getting as many wins as they would like lately. So yeah, it was uh, good times on Thursday night. I mean, Drew, you did, Drew, you did miss my, my uh, first honorable uh, Uh, address uh, as official premier. I didn't have much time, of course, because my premiership ended, I think uh, 10 minutes after the uh, the, po- the post game show began, mm-hmm. but regardless, I was able to have to share some words, got some a lot of support. You know, people were supportive of my ideas. They my rule of power. I actually, in fact, I thought it was going to last a little bit longer. People said it only went till midnight, but then I noticed the the account hadn't tweeted out a new premier of the province for the next day. So I was like, looks like my reign of terror is going to continue. But yeah. uh, alas, there is now a new premier for the day. Uh, who these people take it very seriously, by the way. They they have these like crazy, they, they like 10 tweet threads. I'm like, my I use you know what I use my platform to do? To get people to to get people to watch the illegal curve post game show. That's what I use my platform for. Every citizen of Manitoba, every hour of every day, must smash the like button, even when the show isn't going on. Exactly. Well, remember it along. You know the Gettysburg Address. Yeah. You know uh, the Martin Luther King Jr.'s. You know I have a dream speech, and then the Dave diatribe is going to you know go down in the annals of of historic speech making. Undoubtedly. I don't think it's a coincidence that Dave was premier for a day Thursday. 
and then Drew's been exiled to some type of prison in the southern U.S. So I, I think that they're the, like Dave actually did use his powers to uh, get Drew out of the province and out of the country. But uh, well, and, and yeah, do it, was a short, it was a short reign, Dave, but it was a good one. And remember, as I only made three campaign promises: one to fix the roads, which yes. I haven't done yet; two was to synchronize the uh, the traffic lights. I have not done that yet. Yeah. The third was to to take over control of Drew's mouse so I could ban him from the show. Drew wasn't on the show, so I like I said, I made one of the three Power things strong. Yeah, exactly. The power, power was strong. Your power is strong. Uh, let's get Drew, does Lawless know that you're in his backyard? Uh, yeah, he does, in fact. But he's uh, he's called the authorities a couple times, but I'm very shifty, and, and they haven't quite been able to quite uh, get, uh, find me yet. I'll tell you what, it is a little... I was driving uh, to a local gambling emporium on Thursday to watch the end of the Jets-Ducks game, and uh, as I was driving there, it was the post-game from the... Uh, Golden Knights, who the Golden Knights Flames game, I guess. And it was mm-hmm. like, I'm like, why is that voice familiar that I'm listening to on the post game? Oh, now I remember why. Hey, this is so oh, the Calgary Flames and the J- Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> Are you guys going to play the Jets in the first round? <laughs> Dave, that, that was, okay, that was good. That was good. All righty, the Jets got the win that they needed to get. Two wins in a row. The team is uh, a juggernaut. Hallelujah, Drew. What's that? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not going to use the, the parade, Drew. I'm not going to use the E word for elite just yet, but, uh, uh, you know, the two wins that the Jets needed to get two wins against, uh, you know, not great teams. I'm being, uh, I'm being polite when I say that, but they got the four points that they needed to get after they didn't get those points against St. Louis. But I mean, it's still a struggle. It's still, uh, you know, tooth and nail. It's like pulling teeth to get this team to really, uh, you know, get to where they need to be. And, of sure. course, they step up in weight class later this afternoon, that weird uh, 1 o'clock Pacific time start uh, against the Kings in Los Angeles as the Jets continue their Western road trip. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I, I think, you know, we would agree. You know, Drew, you mentioned you didn't watch the whole game, I, I don't think. But I think, you know, Dave and I and most people watching right now listening on the podcast would agree that the Ducks game was much better than the Coyotes game. But we talked about it. Like, that Coyotes game, you almost had to take the Coyotes' record or, or place in the standings out of it because the Coyotes have been playing really well up until that point, right? It's been well documented how many teams they've upset, right? So, yeah, the game against the Ducks, I mean, you'd, we talked about it on, on Thursday night's post-game show. You'd like to see a little bit more of a, of a buffer, right? Like, you would like to see the Jets put in a few more goals and, you know, not have to scramble a little bit at the end of the uh, of the game when the Ducks pulled their goalie. But, I mean, you get, you get the two points, and it was huge because – as we talked about a couple nights ago, the Flames lost, right? And the Flames, that's no surprise for anybody who's been following the Flames because that's what they do. They win one, they lose one. They win two, they lose two. I mean, it to me, the bigger story, because I've, I've been saying this for, what, guys, three or four weeks since the Jets have been in a wild card spot. Like, I've been saying that, that, that I think the Jets are going to hang on. But the Predators deserve a lot of credit just for being relevant at this time of year, considering that, you know, you traded Matias Ekholm and you mm-hmm. traded Nino Niederreiter and... Um, not Victor Arvidsson, who am I thinking of here? Uh, uh, um, the, the guy to somebody else, uh, uh, Pittsburgh, Tanner Janot, um, Tanner Janot. No, like, and what's the guy? And uh, the guy to Pittsburgh, oh my god, yeah, yeah. the yeah. Swedish guy, um, yeah. <laughs> Mikhail Granlund. Yeah, how could I? I, I was obviously Drew mistaking Mikhail <laughs> Granlund for Victor Arvidsson because Arvidsson, we're gonna Jets yeah. fans, we're gonna see him play this afternoon for the Kings, right? I think he's healthy, but yeah, it's gonna be a much tougher uh game today, like this Kings team. I don't know if you would say they're a legitimate Stanley Cup contender, but I would say they're probably a bona fide top three, top four team. 
in the Western Conference. They've won eight of their last two, 10 games. We saw, you know, earlier this season, the Kings, you know, gave the Jets a run for their money, right? So it's going to be much more challenging, Dave. And I think, you know, you're you're hoping that the Jets are able to, you know, elevate their game to, you know, the level that we saw, especially in the first, uh, you know, couple periods against the Ducks on Thursday night. Yeah, and, and you're right, Ezzy. The, the, look, the Kings are the hottest team. The Kings and the Wilds were the two hottest teams in the Western Conference. The Wilds have come back down to earth a little bit, but the Kings continue to to roll along and win. So, I mean, this is going to be an absolute tough test, and that's why we said it was so critical for the Jets to take that first game against the Ducks because you needed to bank those points. You couldn't afford to, you know, look, Nashville won that game, right? Nashville won, sorry, not that game. Nashville won their game in Seattle or against Seattle. I don't know if it was in Seattle or in Nashville, but the fact of the matter is that they, they, Nashville continues to win. They keep to p- piling up the points. They have the games in hand. So if you're the Jets, you still control your own destiny, and you know that Nashville still Nashville schedule is the t- one of the toughest in the NHL to go with. I don't know if they've got. I think they've got. Well, they've probably got about twelve games left. But the fact is, they do. They've got twelve, and the Jets have nine. Yeah, they right. have a back so, to back back-to-back this weekend. They have uh, they have Toronto, I think, tomorrow uh, uh, afternoon, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Right. So the fact is that you've got you've got a tough schedule in Nashville. So you really, and Calgary just is Calgary. I mean, and like they just don't, even though they have the easiest of the, of the three teams, Calgary has the easiest remaining schedule. Easy is a relative term when you're the Calgary flames, apparently. And so that, that's a bit of a problem for, for the, but the thing with the flames, Dave, sorry, you know, they're probably going to have to win seven or eight games to get in. No, absolutely. the, The jets can probably get in by winning. They might even be able to get in winning four of their last nine, certainly five. If you get 10 points, that should be enough to get you in the playoffs. I agree, but the, the reality is based on the way the Jets have stumbled and bumbled for the last little bit, and I'm not suggesting they haven't played better, but they haven't gotten the results. They haven't gotten the goal scoring. Now, maybe that's changed with Kyle Connor breaking through the last game. You know, Adam Lowry scoring in three of his last four games. I mean, there's, you know, you need Mark Shifley, but Mark Shifley, again, I know Mark Shifley is, it hasn't been super present, but he's also going to set a career record for goals, right? He's at 38. That's tied his career. So, you know, you need more from Mark Shifley, and we've talked about it. Like I, I wrote about it in the morning papers today on a little site called illegalcurve.com that if the Jets want to it's make actually any... not that little of a site, it's actually quite expansive. <laughs> I think I appreciate that. Thank you. Ed. Nashville but... has Seattle tomorrow, is it? not Toronto. Toronto, I think next Sunday. But anyway, sorry, you go on. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, so they're playing like a home and home against the Predators. I mean, against the Kraken. Uh, I don't know. Or, or, no, they, maybe they, uh, no, because they would have just played. Yeah, I guess it must be home sorry, and home. Today is Saturday. I'm I'm losing my mind. Uh, they have Seattle. Seattle's at Nashville today. Hang on. No, they do have Toronto more. I was right. I was yeah, right. yeah, yeah. They, I was I'm, right, but, but I just can't read. But I'm right? saying, right. I'm right. saying, right. I'm saying they played Seattle. Now yeah, they're playing no, Seattle playing again. again. Yes. And then they. So that, I mean, yeah. look, those aren't easy games. And this is it's an right. afternoon game as well. So when Jets yeah. fans are watching their the game this afternoon, that game won't be over, but it'll be close to being over because it starts two hours earlier, Dave. So Drew's right. You got Nashville versus Seattle this afternoon, and they've got Toronto. So it so. It's crazy, guys, to think that Nashville is the bigger threat, but really it's the games in hand, right? Like, like I said before, I mean, we could, you know, crunch the numbers. Like, I don't really want to. It's way too early in the morning here to do that. But, like, I I really do think, like, just looking at it kind of, you know, general speaking here, the Jets with nine games left, if they win five of nine, which is, you know, just over 500, they should be good enough to get into the playoffs. Right. And and again, all I was just, I just finished my thought, Drew, and then you jump in. But I, I, like I said, I just think that you, from a Jets perspective, you need to do better than, you know, five you know six five sixty or something like that to kind of close things out and again i don't think that you need to um to do like uh you don't have to win all your remaining games and as i've documented on the website it doesn't mean that you you don't need to have you know a nine zero zero or nine zero and one record going into the playoffs to win the stanley cup you can you can 
it, it it's across the board. But and again, you need more. You need more from Mark Shifley. And 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 what I said was earlier was I said if the Jets need expect to do anything, the number one player on this team is always going to be Connor Hellebuck. I don't care what anybody else says. Thirty-seven is always going to be the most important player. He's going to be the biggest factor. Mm-hmm. But but the number two guy will be fifty-five. And if fifty-five can get back to you know get his two thousand seventeen eighteen Nash Mark Lively versus the Nashville Predators, well that that's going to go a big way for this team's success. If if it isn't, if you don't see that Mark Lively. Well, then, then it's going to be tough times. And and look, we're getting to the point now. You wonder what's happening with Cole Perfetti, and what you know what his status could be because we're getting closer to the fact that you know maybe he's back on the ice. Maybe he, we don't know. We haven't had an update. When he, he get- when he was injured, Dave, sorry, it was I believe they said eight weeks, right? Yeah, no, I know, but I, so, and, so and, we're and, probably what three weeks away from that. Yeah, no, 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 uh, maybe two weeks away. But again, yeah. two weeks probably you know close to when the playoffs would be ready to begin. As I'm just, yeah. you never know, right? It's like any of these things no, with these guys. No, like it's, it's we need an update for sure because I mean it's possible that he comes back, and I think ideally you would like him to get a game or two in, but we're just not sure if that's a that's a possibility. I, mean, I don't. Right? I, I'd be shocked if you see him before the end of the regular no, season. No, I'm not I, saying, I would agree with that. I would, yeah, no, just I, based I can, on what we haven't heard anything. It's not like we've heard we've been told until we're told something. Maybe next week it'll come out that Perfetti's a little ahead of schedule, Dave. But I just wanted to mention that that yeah. Uh, to your point, I mean, we should be getting an update in the next week or two in terms of Perfetti's, uh, I guess, development or whatever you want to call it, injury status. Yeah, his prognosis or his yeah. uh, his an update on his on the situation. But I, like I said, and just look, Weber. One of the things that Weber's uh, mailbag, uh, if you want to read it, you can go on a little site called LeoCurve.com. No any papers. <laughs> click click under the Sportsnet one. You'll see that it said uh, Weber's thing. Talked about reducing Blake Wheeler's ice time. I'm like, oh, where where have I heard that before? Well, and so not, I mean, never. I've never heard that. <laughs> but I I'm mean, just saying, like, so to me, it's just there's there's this team is again they're playing a little bit better. They're cons- a little bit more consistent. And and you know what, Phyllis said it. You know, Arizona is not a free space on the bingo card anymore. Arizona went into Edmonton and forced them to go to overtime. Like Arizona's, again, they've got some inconsistencies, but most NHL teams do, right? Unless you're the Boston Bruins or maybe the Colorado Avalanche, even they have some inconsistencies. You know, a lot of teams are flawed. So uh, Jets have their flaws like other teams, and it'll be interesting to see how and if these guys can pull out of this, especially in one of the toughest games they're going to face in the next, you know, little while. And boys, I hate to be this guy. Sorry, Drew, just quickly. I was going to say Money Puck, if you like that type of stuff, and it's a good website, we you know recommend people go to, to Money Puck. Um, the Jets are at 83% to make the playoffs, right? So that can change with each game, right? Like if they lose tonight to LA, Dave, that'll go down, you know, whatever, right. 5 to 10%. But just as a kind of idea of where the Jets are, they completely control their destiny. And, you know, it'll go a long way if they can beat the Kings, if they can beat the Sharks. And, you know, if you beat those two teams coming up here, you really only have to pick up a couple more wins and you should be able to get in the playoffs. And Drew, Drew, Drew I just sorry, one last slot and then I'll, yeah. I'll shut my mouth for two seconds. But, you know, uh, C-Max says would be good to get Perfetti into the last game or two of the season to get his timing back. There's always the possibility that they can assign him to the, give him a conditioning stint with the Manitoba Moose. So, you know, I, if folks want to recall, Mark Letestu, when he was coming back, was originally going to be, he was originally assigned to the Manitoba Moose, and then he decided to retire. He actually the, liked the mustard better in the age, although <laughs> he did. That's why he, heard, he heard there was some good mustard there. But the point is that guys can always, you know, even though he wouldn't be eligible to play in the AHL playoffs, Cole Perfetti could, in theory, you know, it's one thing the Jets, I don't think, avail themselves of enough is you can send a guy down to get his timing back. So there's an opportunity to go and play four games with the Moose. So that's always a possibility, depending on his health, because the Moose, of course, don't have that many games left either. Well, you know, I want to highlight this comment from Andrew, and I've just put it up on the screen because I was going to. Funny, I was just reading that, Drew. I was going to send you that in the chat to talk about. 
Well, because I thought Scott Billick wrote well about it in the, his column yesterday. Yep. Uh, he, you know, t- Scott had sort of touched on a couple things in the column. One, the the struggles of Shifley, who has, I believe, not scored in seven games uh, since he was benched, uh, the benching against the Carolina Hurricanes, and he only has one assist uh, in that time as well. So we know that Shifley has really been struggling, and he hasn't really been even generating a lot of shots on goal or a lot of chances, despite getting a ton of power play time. So uh, we t- we talked about that, but Scotty also mentioned, you know, the struggles of Blake Wheeler recently because Blake Wheeler's struggles are I mean they're just obvious for anybody who's watching and and I don't know if he's injured or father time is uh caught up to him and it's really impacting his play as of late but it's I mean it's not pleasant to watch and I'm sure it's not pleasant to experience from Blake Wheeler's perspective either but and we talked about this I think on last week's show that it you know Connor Dubois and Niederreiter, they seem to have some chemistry there there seems to be some sort of they, they seem to have some good vibes keep that together but maybe move a guy like Morgan Barron up to somebody to do the hard work on that uh, currently Ehler Shifley Wheeler line because Wheeler is struggling. We know Shifley's game is not to dig in the corners. That's not his strength. I don't so know. Sorry, some- Drew. I don't know if you could hear that. I muted the mic, but my son is banging on the door. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully they don't come in right now. That's why I've locked myself in the downstairs office. Yeah, but what, at least you're doing the show. What about all the other times you lock yourself in the office to cry? What, well, yeah, that's just because yeah, I need a good cry. So that I mean, <laughs> you have to have a dedicated, we've talked about this, you have to have a room in your house that you can lock and have a nice good cry without being interrupted, right? No question. But uh, going back to what I was saying, it's like, I, I, you know, now is it a bold move? By by Rick Bonus, yes, of course. Is it going to cause some you know disturbance? Yes, of course. Are it you is. talking about the the benching, uh, Drew? No, I'm talking about m- moving Baron up and dropping oh. Wheeler down. Oh yeah, okay. I, sorry, I wasn't sure if you were talking about. Um, I, I'm not sure. I wasn't sure if you were talking about the top six, but you're absolutely right. But come on, guys, like Morgan Baron. I realize Nemestikov, Dave has pre- pre- presented a bit of a challenge, right? Because Nemestikov with Dubois out, we know he was centering the second line. Now he's playing wing on the third line, but. You can't have Baron on the fourth line right now. I just I think you have to find a way, you know, to get him more ice time. I also look at I mean I, I think you know Saku Manaline and Kevin Stenlin, these are veteran guys that came back to the NHL. They've done a nice job, but I, I think you have to just base this on merit. And right now, Morgan Barron gives you a better chance. Oh, I guess Drew's uh, lunch hour is over here. He's going to go back into uh, his cell. But uh, the, sun yeah, the was, sun apparently yeah. the sun was blinding people, according to Dave. So I thought yeah. I'd move positions a little bit. Yeah. We like you more in the, the shade, by the way, Drew. So, <laughs> yeah, no, look, it. I mean, let's get Dave in here because he's been following Morgan Barron's career a little bit more closely. He's had the opportunity to interview him for IllegalCurve.com. Like, Barron is a guy, Dave, just he's playing too well to be on the fourth line. No, I mean, and he brings a big physical element that I think this that line could use. And and again, like I think, just Blake Wheeler. I think the comment I highlighted, you know, talking about Jamie Ben and and how guys can sometimes do more with less. And I think you're just putting your like Blake Wheeler has been a good soldier for this team, and he's done more than enough for this organization. And I'm not here trying to run him out of town. I simply think that you actually get more out of Blake Wheeler by reducing some of his role. Yes, and giving him question. quality. I mean, again, it's about quality, not quantity. And, you know, maybe, you know, shaving four or five minutes off of Blake Wheeler's legs. Uh, here's a crazy notion. Keeps Blake Wheeler fresher. And, and, and against, re- against lesser competition in a fourth well, line role. I mean, you know, I mean, not necessarily a fourth line role, but I mean, like the reality, I mean, look, I've long since said that you could throw Blake Wheeler aside, Adam Lowry and, and, and sure. give him and Adam Lowry an opportunity to kind of develop some chemistry. And I think he actually, again, like I've often said, you you can't play with, three with two lines you score you need it to be a three line 
three scoring line team at minimum and have a fourth line that is a net positive, you know, and, and isn't, isn't losing you goals every time they go out there. The Jets, I think, have that with their fourth line. And I don't think they have that. I mean, I shouldn't say that because Adam Lowry is scoring. But the fact well, that so is, is Mason Appleton, right, Dave? So, like, sure. it's almost like without that's that's kind of seems like bonuses uh, logic here is that that line is producing. So, you know, you don't want to mess up a good thing with Nemestikov on that third line. But the only problem is that's at the expense of Barron being on the fourth line. And, right. and the other night he only played five minutes. That's not enough. He needs to, I mean, again, what is that, you know, what does the Jets' second line need? Again, the, uh, assuming that Connor Dubois and Niederreiter are going to stay together, you know, what does Shifley, Wheeler, and Ehlers need? They need somebody who's able to, I think, go in there and really, you know, win puck battles, win board battles. That is not the M.O. of, of Shifley and Wheeler. I mean, Ehlers, we know, will go to the net. But he needs somebody, you know, and, and, you know, and Scotty talked about this. He's very adept at finding that soft ice and making space for himself, you know, in the high danger area. But right now there's nobody on that line who's able to and or willing to get him the puck in those areas. There, you know, that's just not what Shifley and Wheeler, you know, maybe once upon a time that, w- that was Wheeler's game, but that time has passed us. So I think if you switch things around it doesn't just benefit that one line i think it's a net positive for all four lines that the team mm-hmm. is putting out there i mean you know it seems like that's something that could also juice some of the other lines be, that are underneath there i mean if you go to blake wheeler and, and you know he knows he can't be he can't be satisfied with his play i mean he knows when he's playing well and when he's not playing well so i he's lost he's lost a step i think that's captain obvious right. but also He's just not producing at five on five. Like right. we're not we're not going to go over the first power play versus second power play units because Wheeler's on the first power play unit, whether you like it or not, right, Dave? Yeah. So I mean, what we're talking about here is getting some more offense going, even strength from your yes. top three lines. Like nobody's expecting a lot of goals. If Kevin Stenland or Saku Manalainen scores a goal, great. That's a bonus, right? Like these guys just don't produce a lot of offense. I'm not saying that they can't score goals. It's just like you're not going to expect that much. We're t- and we're not just by the way, talking about today's game, we're, oh. we're talking about the rest of the season going into the playoffs, right? Like you need to have Rick bonus needs to have, and the coaching staff needs to have some more lines that they can reply on. Uh, pardon me, rely on, not reply on. I'm not sending an email here, uh, <laughs> but you know, they, 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 it's just, you need to figure that out right now because I don't think anybody, Dave, looking at those line combinations from practice that Kenny tweeted out yesterday after he probably had a nice little round of golf down in uh, Cali, um, nobody was looking at those lines saying like, oh yeah, Morgan Barron on the fourth line. That makes a lot of sense. No, I was just saying it's not commensurate with the production that he's bringing forward. Right. This is a guy who's playing well, who deserves an elevated role. Cause I don't think anybody thinks that he can't, that, that doesn't want to see what he can do in an elevated role. Now, maybe and he's already you know, done that for a little bit this year, right? Like he's played on the second line, not, not a ton, but right. he's gotten, a, he's gotten a little bit of time. And, and I think also too, like, for more, a guy like Morgan Barron, right? Like he's one of the your younger forwards out there, and right. I, I really I believe in in the merit system when it comes to the just regular world. Um, that's why I get more mic time because I've earned it, right? No, but obviously, like you know, Morgan Barron is a guy that you know he's he's been a great soldier, right? He's been a great penalty killer all year. You know, he's gone through his own slumps, and and Drew's right. Like Shifley and Wheeler have to start producing, period. And they they had it they had to start producing before this California trip. Like it's been you know, a couple of weeks now that they've been struggling. And I wouldn't be surprised if Shifley has a big game. I feel like Dave, he's had some good numbers 
in LA. I don't know why I, I think that, but I feel like, you know, he's due for breakout, but you're right, Drew. I mean, look at when he was benched by Rick Bonus. There's, there's a correlation there and, and it, you see it in his body language. You see it on his play on the ice. Um, like he's got to suck it up. The Jets have nine games left here. They're going for a playoff spot. Like they need him. He's got to be better. Well, you know, I, and I agree with everything you just said, as he, but more than that, from the Morgan Barron perspective, I think the team needs to find out what they really have in him. You know, is he a, you know, a third, fourth line guy, you know, for the majority of his career, or does he have that ability to move up? I don't think, he's I think he does. Gonna... I, th- I think he's, he's, he's a guy that I think, you know, can absolutely be a, a top six forward. This is his first full NHL season, Dave. Yeah. Like, you know, and we and we've seen flashes here, but I don't know. Maybe I'm higher on Baron than other people here. Uh, but I I just think you know against the Sharks, or pardon me, not against the Sharks, against the Coyotes, he played five games, and to me that's just I mean it's mind boggling. Well, I, you know, I, I, and I just want to see this is an opportunity. You know, step up into an elevated role, see what you can do. Is this something that you can potentially do moving forward, moving into the playoffs? I mean, it's sort of disheartening, but it's a reality of where this team is in that, you know, you're nine games away from the playoffs and you're still trying to sort of figure out what everyone's roles should be. But that's right. simply a, a, a function of the fact that, you know, certain guys are getting older and at games 82 plus can't necessarily perform the same way they could in games zero through 20 when their legs would be a little bit looser and legs would be a little bit fresher, Dave. Maybe you you move the, make that switch, you get a guy who's got some young legs and can handle a little bit of a boost in playing time and allow you to take, uh, allow the older guys or an older guy in this instance to take a little mm-hmm. bit of a break, a little bit of a rest and maybe play in a different role. I just think there's no downside to doing it because what's, what they're currently doing just isn't really working for that, uh, for that Ehlers, Shifley, Wheeler line. Yeah. And I mean, as, as he likes to call it, Schwielers. So, I mean, I think that, you know, and I like the comment here by Rob and uh, I highlighted it, but I'll read it for the folks who are listening on the podcast. That's alliteration here. He said the team needs chemistry, consistency, cohesion, continuity, not the consternation that bonus is causing by the line jumbling enough already. And I think that there's some validity to that. I think that there is an idea of that. And we've talked about it. Like, you know, when you, when you learn what a line can do, you can always go back to it. Right. And we've talked about well, how we're all somewhat surprised that he hasn't gone back to Dubois, Connor and, and, um, and uh, Ehlers, sorry, because they've worked so well, you know, during the sample size we have of the three of those guys being on a line together. And yet Rick bonus hasn't returned to them, but there is something to be said for trying to get line consistency and trying to keep these lines somewhat, you know, similar. And look, it's no real surprise. I mean, I know folks want, you know, Morgan Barron to be jumped up and I understand it and I'm, I'm all for it, but you know, in, in these coaches, they think we've won two games. We've won two games with the lines, the way they are currently constructed. So Rick bonus isn't in his mind going, don't screw it up. Don't screw it up. Don't change anything. Well, again, and it's and it's not that you had completely dominating performances, but you did play, you know, better than you had in a while. And the Ducks game, oh, even though it was closer, yeah, the Ducks game was closer than it needed to be. But I mean, of course, you got to credit their goaltender; he played well, and 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 the Jets had plenty of opportunities, and uh, you know, the mistakes they made ended up in the back of their net. But I'm just saying that it's one of those situations where I'm not surprised that Rick Bonus isn't making any amendments to his lines based on you know, the way things have gone and the fact the team has won two games. Coaches tend not to change things when they're winning. So the reality is we'll see how they, these lines as they're constructed do against the Kings. And then, of course, they'll have a day off tomorrow. And they can, we'll see on Monday when they practice how they're going to look against the Sharks on Tuesday. Sorry, Dave, I got to say, say one thing here. 
I just ahead, it's Ashley. Lucas Doschnell. I had to look it up because I forgot the name of the goalie, the Ducks goalie. He actually played pretty well, but not exactly a household name yet. Well, Still the problem was I was going to call him Donskoy. I, I was like, I was like, I know I'm going to get the name wrong, so I'm just going to say the goaltender because I didn't want to like, I didn't want to butcher his name. Lucas, there e. you go. Ted, we- Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun is up next, so stay with us. It's Saturday morning, coming to you from here, there, and everywhere. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, live on YouTube and all of our social media platforms. Bottom of the hour, welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, Saturday morning. We're live on all of our social media platforms. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsberg, and we're thrilled to welcome to the program the sports editor of the Winnipeg Sun, curling aficionado who undoubtedly was up bright and early this morning watching Team Canada victory ted wyman joins us on the show teddy am i right were you up right and early watching good morning my friends uh i was not Oh, oh. <laughs> but I know what happened. Then they play again right away. So Ted, know, had, Ted had to worry about being up for a legal curve. Like he couldn't be up that early, Drew. Like he had to be. He had to get a nice, like his nice beauty rest to make sure he was ready to talk Jets. Exactly. You guys already know I'm not normally a Saturday morning guy, right? So <laughs> you know, it's only for you guys. It's special. And we appreciate That's why every it, time right? I text you, Ted, you're like, first off, I told you to never text me again. And also, <laughs> why do you number. always ask me to come Lose my number. mornings? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, we always appreciate you. It's a little bit early, but uh, beautiful day out. And we're talking Jets, so it's better, right? There you go. Sunny here, sunny there, sunny everywhere. Uh, talking Winnipeg Jets, exactly right, Ted. The team, winners of two in a row, plan the parade undoubtedly. But you know, for a team that has been uh, just struggling, 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 you know, I thought that there were signs of a breakthrough in Thursday's game against Anaheim. Not that it was a pretty game, not that they won handily. I mean, it should have been 4-2 if Nemesnikov doesn't somehow hit the post on that empty net there. But it just seemed like they were they were playing more to their level than that of the opponent from my humble perspective. What did you see when you watched Thursday's game? Yeah, I, I thought it was I, I thought it was a better performance. I agree with you. Um, you know, you the, the words that came to mind when watching Tuesday's game against uh, the Coyotes was, yeah, they got a win, but it seemed a little bit listless still, you know, like just where's the energy, where's the fire? It was hard to see it there. I felt like there was a little bit more with the Anaheim game and, you know, um, you're getting big clutch performances from, you know, guys that maybe you don't normally expect it from. It's Adam Lowry who's been getting a lot of things done for them lately. Uh, Dylan DeMello has been playing really great on the blue line. Morgan Barron, like the role players are really doing a nice job. It's just where are those guys that you pay the big bucks to? And that's why it was such a huge relief for Kyle Connor to get that goal. You could tell, right? Like he's looking skyward. Uh, it's something that's really meant something to him. But, you know, they're going to need those contributions from Wheeler and Shifley uh, soon. Or, you know, you can only go so far on... <clears throat> that boost of energy that you get and and whatever motivation it is and whatnot, you got to get something out of those big guys at some point. And so, you know, again, that was a, this has been a, a, a progress forward week, I think, for the Jets with two wins in a row, games they were supposed to win, um, and, and obviously uh, a, a much better performance against Anaheim. But, you know, really different story when you're playing a really good team like L.A. today. They're going to need a lot more still than what we saw on Thursday night. Absolutely. And the good thing for the Jets is they can probably win five of their last nine or maybe even four of their last nine, right? Like it's not, they're not going to have to go six and three. I think you'd agree, Ted, or, or seven and two, seven and two, as opposed to the Flames, right? Who really, I mean, they've put themselves in a really tough position, you know, six points back, but 
want to go back to Shifley and Wheeler because, you know, when you consider where the Jets are, their arc, if you want to call it that, I mean, playoffs are a must, but you, you obviously want to win a round or two at the very minimum. But especially with Shifley, like you talk about, Drew mentioned this right before you came on, you know, he's benched along with Kyle Connor and, you know, Niederreiter. But I think you would agree that it was more so a message being sent to Shifley and Connor. And, you know, Connor scored against Anaheim. And I think you'd agree, even before the Anaheim game, Connor was getting a ton of chances and you knew, you know, the dam was going to break eventually. But like, what are you seeing from Shifley, you know, since that benching? So the last, I guess, six or seven games, because I look at a guy that at times he looks lost out there and you could even argue, like, it looks like he's, he's pouting, like his body language. It just seems like he's not really engaged in a lot of these games. Well, and the, you know, interesting thing right off the bat that I think of is that when did Connor get his goal? It's when he's playing on a line with Dubois. Mm-hmm. And it's Dubois that makes the hard charge to the net, gets the shot in the right spot, and then, uh, you know, an easy tap in on the rebound for Connor. We're not, we weren't seeing that when it's playing on that uh, line with Shifley. Like, it's just not, it, it, you know, it, it seems like there's not that willingness to go hard into the corners. It seems like um, it's just too easy for teams to, uh, you know, kind of walk around in the jet zone when when Shifley's line is on the ice um you know I I don't think there's any real respect out there in the NHL for Blake Wheeler's shot so they're kind of leaving him alone to do what he wants and go one-on-one with the goalie they they're not too concerned about what's going to happen there he's you know you know he obviously is a pass first guy and as you saw in that last game he passed up one where really there was a whole lot of net to shoot at Mm -hmm. and so you know maybe a confidence issue there um, you know, always a concern for me when you're seeing Shifley in this situation like this, and it's, it's you know, the guy's got 38 goals this year. He hasn't been terrible in at least one aspect of the game. But in the last seven games, it's, I just, you know, it's like a shell of himself. You, you're just not seeing the kind of drive and fire that Rick Bonus has been asking for. You know, he goes, when they went into the Nashville game last weekend, it's we need, to, you know, urgency and desperation. And, you know, I I won't say it all, it's all my opinion, listening to the broadcasts of those games, you know, the analysts in those games generally were saying they're not seeing urgency. They're not seeing desperation from Shifley. And I think a lot of that goes to why the power play has been so bad. You know, they're just... They're not showing enough of it there in that situation. So I think uh, it's perplexing is all I can say. Because I always go back to 2018 and remember how good Mark Tracy yes. was, if not the very best player in the Stanley Cup playoffs that year, really close. And and you thought, wow, this guy has really emerged as a superstar. And it's kind of been a slow decline since then. And, and it's hard to tell what the reasoning is because the talent is still there. It's just is is the drive still there right and 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 i guess you could say there might be some type of injury we just don't know that right like it hasn't been reported by anyone so you're right ted it is perplexing right because like you said i mean he's well on on he was on pace for close to a 50 goal season he still might get close to 45 with with nine games left but yeah it's tough to put your finger on it and the other thing i was going to just quickly ask you is you know, you mentioned 2018 regardless of who the jets play in the first round whether it's vegas or la or or dallas I don't see them, obviously Dave always mentions this and he's right. And I'm sure you and Scotty Billick have talked about this, uh, you know, at the Winnipeg Sun, like Hellebuck's the most important player, but I don't see the Jets winning around unless Shifley is really good. 
I think you're right because he's going to be, well, maybe he won't be the top minute center. I mean, Dubois has been the top minute center the last couple of games, or at least last game, I should say. And I mean, that's telling, uh, in my opinion. And and I think it could be really good for the Jets, to be honest, if uh, Dubois is getting those top minutes because he plays such a rounded game in terms of physicality, in terms of ability to get into the dirty areas in front of the net. He's got some talent. He's obviously helps open things up for Connor. I don't mind that at all, to be honest. But, um, you know, Shifley is, quote unquote, your number one center on this team. And normally in the playoffs, you know, it's a goalie, it's a really good defenseman, and it's a number one center. Those are the three keys to being successful in the playoffs. So, you know, it's nice to have one, too, and I think that really helps when you've got Shifley and Dubois, but Shifley has to hold up his end of the bargain. There's no doubt about it. These teams that you're going to play, if it's most likely right now, I guess if it were today, it would be Vegas, right? You know, Yeah, it would be Vegas. Yeah. They don't match up very well with Vegas. They haven't all year, and, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if they can make that uh, adjustment and be more – because Vegas is really balanced. That's the thing that I noticed in watching them just the other night. I watched one of their games, and there's just a lot of balance there. There's a lot of guys making really great short passes. Um, you know, now they've got an interesting goaltending situation because they got Jonathan Quick. Uh, if they need him, Logan Thompson was playing pretty well too. So um, don't forget that, about Lauren Brassois, Teddy. He's been he's been getting a few starts too. Exactly, and, and I mean they're just going to be a really hard team to beat, and so. I'm just trying to draw this back into what Rick Bonus was saying about, you know, where's the motivation, where's the urgency, where's the fire? You sh- this should be just coming to you because of the time of the season, and it should just be coming to you when the playoffs get going. But if it's not there against Vegas, ju- you know, just, you know, put in your four <laughs> games and go get your golf clubs because it's just not going to work. It, they, there has to be a bit more from this team. And Rick Bonus is maybe the most honest coach I've ever dealt with. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not going to stop talking about it. I can't imagine that doesn't get boring for the players sometimes. But, you know, like, he, he's he's been around coaching longer than anybody, I think, in the NHL in terms of being an assistant or a head coach. You know, he he knows what's missing. And, it, the, you know, I don't know if anybody can make it just happen. You can't snap your fingers. It has to be on the players. So... Of all the times we've watched the Jets and we've pointed at the reasons why things aren't working uh, over the years, you know, and sometimes you point at the coach and sometimes you say the goaltending's not good enough, not often lately. But this time you just say, how is it that this group has not been able to become cohesive, to motivate itself to be great for themselves, for their teammates, for Winnipeg, for their coach, for all those things. And it's, you just, it, it again, I use the word perplexing because it's just hard to understand why that just doesn't happen naturally. And, you know, I, I think we're not wrong in saying that that's the case, that it hasn't happened naturally because Rick Bonus keeps talking about it. No, Teddy, you're talking playoffs. Playoffs? But there's one problem. The Jets aren't in the playoffs yet. They still have to make the playoffs, and they've got nine games left to do so, as Ezzy has touched on. Is there in any way, shape, or form a chance that Connor Hellebuck doesn't play at least eight of those nine when you look at the spacing, and there's only one back-to-back, that uh, uh, Sharks wild back-to-back, uh, I think on April 10th and 11th. But otherwise, there's like two games in between every game 
or at least one, obviously, but like there's something a lot of there's a lot of time in between. So do you see in any way, shape, or form Connor Hellebuck not playing eight of the next nine games? Yes, if they win like five in a row and clinch a playoff. <laughs> because you wouldn't win getting them a little rest before the playoffs, right? Of like course. You're going to ride them nine straight games right into the playoffs and you clinch on the last day. And then you got to go right out and play whoever, Vegas, whatever. You know, it's you'd like to have a little bit of a break in there for them, I'm sure, ideally. But you've got one of the best goalies in the world. You need all your players to be at their very best, why wouldn't you play them? Why wouldn't you ride them all, all the way through? You know, you guys talk about that situation with the playoffs, Dave. Um, the one thing that's obviously really interesting in all of this is Nashville's three games in hand. And, I mean, the reason they have these games in hand is because there was a water main break at the yeah. Bridgestone Arena, and they're going to basically have three games left when everybody else is done. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's going to be interesting. Because who are they going to be playing? Like, what are the teams that they're playing going to be going for? You know, yeah. it's the you know it's it, it's it's going to like I think the Jets need to be more than well at least six points ahead of Nashville when those three games start. Because if they are, they'll be in the playoffs. Because I think they they hold the tiebreaker against Nashville and Calgary. So I mean, I think that that would be really. I think that's what they're looking at, at least for you know people who want to look at this comfortably. They want to be well ahead of Nashville. Now, the interesting thing, too, is they're only one point behind Seattle. Seattle plays Nashville again today. Mm -hmm. I mean, Seattle's another team that they could move ahead and, and, and you know, bring right into this mix. Uh, you know, I'm not going to completely write off Calgary, but I, I don't love their chances where they're at. They're, you know, they're six behind the Jets. I and mean, really, it's seven because they don't have the tiebreaker either. So, you know, I mean, that's a long way to come back in nine games. The Jets and Flames are uneven. So unless, you know, like the Jets have got to go out and get points no matter what. They can't, they, they've been lucky that the teams chasing them haven't really even been that good, <laughs> you know, to this point. Mm -hmm. But right now, they've won two in a row. They really have to keep this going. There can't be any more of this backdoor backing into the playoffs. They've got to go in there full tilt. And honestly, I'll give you guys, you know, my opinion on this. I've seen this so many times observing the NHL where teams that just were struggling at, at, you know, even getting towards the end of the season really got on a bit of a roll right at the end, and you carry that into the playoffs, that can be really meaningful. Especially when you have a goaltender the caliber of Connor Halbach. Exactly. Ted, Ted Wyman of Winnipeg Sun is our guest on this Saturday morning. It is the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Reminder, the Illegal Curve post-game show goes later this afternoon, this evening even, 5.45 p.m. back here on our YouTube channel, following the Jets and the Los Angeles Kings. You know, Teddy, you mentioned Rick Bonus and you mentioned his comments and the tremendous back and forth that he and Scott Billick had earlier this week that certainly uh, got tongues a-wagging. Uh, uh, by the way, according to Elliot Friedman, it was it was uh, Rick Bonus and, and Sean Reynolds. <laughs> What's Reddy taking all the credit for? Stolen I, I, Valor! Stolen Valor! I immediately texted Scott and I said, you should be demanding a retraction because he's giving Sean... Now, he took a fun shot at Sean Reynolds, so that was okay, but it was kind of funny because I was listening to the 32 Thoughts and he said... He goes, yeah, Sean Reynolds and 
And Rick Bonus had a great exchange. I'm like, they, maybe they did, but it wasn't the one you're discussing right now. <laughs> yes, a pointed word, a pointed worded email can be sent to Elliot as a result, uh, you know, by you, Mr. Editor, to de defending uh, Scotty. But uh, well, it was not, a good line of questioning, and it drew really good answers. So that's what a good reporter's supposed to do, right? Absolutely, it was tremendous. It, it really was. But what, what, you know? So obviously, Rick Bonus, you can you can feel the frustration that he had, and and probably still has. Yet I don't see him doing enough to really try and change things around. You mentioned Blake Wheeler earlier in your answer, and everybody who's watching the Jets can see the struggles that Wheeler is going through. Yet, when you keep putting him out in those roles and the elevated ice time, it seems like you're asking him to continue to struggle because he's not built for those roles anymore. So yeah. rather than trying to pound the, you know, the, the, round, the round peg into the square hole, why don't you think that you know, maybe the Jets have tried to take a different tact, maybe move Wheeler down, move somebody up like a Morgan Barron who's been playing well in a, in a, in a more limited minutes just to see what you have and maybe give Wheeler an opportunity, as we talked about earlier on the show. Maybe he, he flourishes in an opportunity with reduced minutes and against maybe lesser competition in a lower, in a lower uh, spot in the lineup. Yeah, I mean, all I can say is I agree with you, Drew. I mean, really, uh, uh, Scotty Billick wrote about that today, that very thing. He said, Morgan Barron, mm -hmm. move him up into the top six the way he's been playing. Move Wheeler down to the fourth line. <laughs> I mean, I just can't argue with that. I think that's the right thing to do. I think Morgan Barron has been one of the most consistent players on this team for a while. He's got speed. He's strong. He goes to the corners made a beautiful little play to set up Lowry for that game-winning goal against the Coyotes. I mean, he's playing good hockey. He's not going to score you a ton of points, but he's playing good hockey. And he's, and he's you know, made for these kind of games, I think, you know? And, like, what are we seeing from Wheeler? Other than, like, He's a veteran. You don't want to throw a guy completely under the bus. He's done a lot for the Winnipeg Jets, guys. He has. He's done a ton. He's been an important player for this organization for their entire existence in Winnipeg. He's been the captain. He's been the leading scorer. He's been the driver in practice. He's done a lot of things that are really valuable, but he's not doing much right now. And, you know, like he's not on power play one now, and I don't think he should be because, you know, you gotta, you gotta have a threat to shoot in my opinion, to be on power play one. So it, it, that power play's just been terrible overall. It doesn't matter whether it's one or two out there. So, you know, and his role in that has not been, like, there was a time when he was really a power play specialist because of his vision, because of his ability to get that puck across quickly, to set up guys on one-timers. We're not seeing that either. You know, and, and I just, I see too many times where he doesn't really seem to have, you know, a great feel for where the puck is. Uh, you know, not not playing great without the puck on a stick. It's it, uh, you just don't want to be too critical. But if you need to, it's the truth, though, Ted. That's the problem. Like, if, if, if you're not saying that, then you're not being truthful. Well, it's true. It's right? true. But you know, again, like I guess I'm just the kind of person that you, you know you you have to take a lot of factors into consideration. But the the truth is, you you can watch these games and you can see that he's not having a particularly big impact. So why is he up on the power play? Why is he in the top six? And why isn't somebody who's been having more of an impact, like Morgan Barron, playing up? I, I, I think it's a no-brainer to do something like that, guys. And uh, 
you know, would I be? I wouldn't be shocked to see it soon. Because I mean, you can't go on forever when a guy's got no goals in 19 games. And Ted, just to you know, go back to Scotty Billick's article in today's Winnipeg Sun, right? Scott writes, essentially, Shifley and Wheeler don't go hard enough, hard enough into the boards to win puck battles to set up either. Connor's replacement on the on the line in open space. There were a couple of occasions where the broadcast pointed out Shifley being too casual and avoiding the contact ne- necessary to merge with the puck. And, like, that's a guy like Morgan Barron, right? Like, so that's why it seems like Scotty's right here. And I think a lot of Jets fans, like, they can see that. Like, that line, it's just too passive, right? Like, they're not scoring off of transition. And, and that's something we've talked about so many times, like, this is not the 2018 team that had, you know, had they have speed. Don't get me wrong, Connor, Ehlers, other players, but I, I just think, you know, to, to Scott's point in his article today, I think, you know, an elevation of Morgan Barron, even though it doesn't look like it's going to happen based on practice lines yesterday in El Segundo. Um, just love saying El Segundo, but yeah, it just it's it seems like you know Wheeler Shifley again. I don't think you take any pleasure, Ted, and I don't. We've talked about this so much on the post game show. I don't think a lot of people take a lot of pleasure in pointing out how poorly Shifley and Wheeler specifically have played at times. I mean, look, Kyle Connor has struggled defensively as well. I mean, he struggled to score goals, but obviously he got off the schnee, as, as Dave mentioned last game with a goal. But it just seems like overall, not just Shifley and Wheeler, this this team needs to be harder to play against. Because let me tell you, that Kings team, 8-0-2 in their last 10 games, that's a hard team to play against. It, it really is. It's interesting, though. You know, I covered both games that they played against L.A. this year, and it's been goals, goals, goals. I think it was like 6-4 in L.A. and 6-5 in Winnipeg. And it's it's just interesting because the games that I've seen the Kings play, they were unbelievably loose. Like, they were just so bad defensively. And I end up, you know, you know you're sort of watching along as the season goes along because you don't see them that often, right? You know, but I don't stay up that late to watch Kings games. But, you know, you're sitting there and you're watching them and you're thinking, in those games that they played against the Jets, they don't look like, you know, first place contenders. But, boy, have they ever played well for the most part uh, this season. And they've got a lot of balance and a lot of speed. And they're going to be a real tough team for the Jets. And this is a real tough time for the Jets. I think it's a, a really important game for them because, as we pointed out, they've got all these games against teams that are not below the playoff line. Well, you know, everybody expects them to win those ones, but you got to win some against teams that are in the playoffs too, because at some point you're going to play these teams and, uh, and you got to show that you're with them. I think, you know, a, a great evolution for the Jets for coming out of the doldrums they've been in would be to eke out that win against the Coyotes, play really well in a game to win against Anaheim, and then show what they're made of against a team like the Kings. Well, one of those guys who may help them is the guy who's been scoring a lot of goals for them, uh, Ted, is is Adam Lowry. I mean, after having a long, long drought himself, three goals in his last four games. And, and you know, we can talk about the guys who aren't, you know, pulling their weight. But Adam Lowry, you know, we know defensively he pulls his weight. You know, he was uh, excellent in that uh, protecting the lead in the final seconds of the game against the Ducks. And, and now he's getting some goals, which we've often said, if you're going to be a third-line center in the NHL, you have to be able to able to produce so just how significant is it that he seems to have found his touch and we know that everything he does right now for himself in terms of point production is a career high and and but more importantly he's contributing to the team and just how significant is the fact that he seems to have broken his slump and has kind of emerged in a big way for the Winnipeg Jets down the stretch well and Dave don't you think it's a lot about the way that he scored those goals I mean the one where he won the face off gets the puck back you know from his knees goes to the net 
gets the rebound and knocks Grease. it in. Greasy Teddy. Right, and then uh, in the game against Anaheim, he's right there in the crease, and uh, Brendan Dillon just hits his stick, right? And then he's going to the net, and Morgan Barron finds him for the two-on-one goal, the open net. Like, that's got to be the epitome of what Rick Bonus has been talking about. Get mm-hmm. greasy, get in front, make take shots and, and bang in rebounds. It, I remember times during this season listening to Rick talk, and he said that repeatedly. That that's just we're just not doing that. You know, we're not doing enough of that. We gotta, you know, I I like. It. Of course, he likes it when guys streak down the wing and blast a slap shot in, and score. But what he really wants to see more of, and has been saying that all year, is rebound goals. You know, you've got to get those sometimes. And I, I'm thinking back to the playoffs now in 2021 when the Jets beat Edmonton and then lost to Montreal. That series against Montreal, I don't think the Jets even got a rebound the whole series. You know, that's what, that <laughs> I don't was think what, they had the puck at all in that series. No, but that's really what a lot of it was. The way that those defensemen, Carey Price was obviously great, and the way that those defensemen just clamped down in the front of the net and wouldn't let them get near anything, mm-hmm. any loose pucks, the Jets had almost no chance. And I just think about that because that wasn't even a very good Montreal team. I mean, I know they made it to the final, but they, you know, they showed the next couple of years that they really weren't that good. Mm-hmm. But it, it was just that's something that really worked against the Jets. Just don't, you know, don't let them get in there. And so, you know, that's why I think Lowry, like you guys have been saying, I think Pierre Luc Dubois was a big center. Um, Stenland is a big guy. You know, Shifley's a big guy. He doesn't play that way sometimes, but he's going to have to. Get in there, get dirty, and bang in rebounds and fight, you know. Put your work boots on. That's what that's what Ted is saying. Get those work boots on. It it, it seems to me that's the only thing that's, you know, that's what's going to work. It's not the only thing. There are other ways to win. But if you're not scoring those greasy goals and your power play is 0 for 150 or whatever it is, (laughs) you're not going to win hockey games. Right. No question about it. Teddy, last question to you. Obviously, the nine games left, you know, in the in the regular season. You know, if you had to pick sort of maybe one player who's not at the at the top of mind for on this team that 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 needs to be almost an unsung hero that's going to really do the things to propel the Jets to a playoff spot. You know, who is that guy? It's maybe somebody maybe it's somebody just playing you know, on the back end who's making it harder to play against, you know, for the Jets, where you're not going to see those contributions necessarily show up on the score sheet. A Brendan Dillon, a Dylan DeMello, you know, one of those guys who you don't usually see, although, you know, obviously they both have contributed offensively lately. Who's that one guy that you just think is going to elevate their game as we get to the, the final regular season games and then maybe the start of the playoffs? I'm pretty sure you answered your own question, Drew. <laughs> the first two guys that came to mind for Classic me were DeMello and Dylan. Honestly, yeah. I love the way Dylan DeMello's been playing. I, I think the adding the offensive component into his game, the ability to carry the puck up ice, to go to the net, um, you know, and I, that's all Rick Bonus's philosophy on uh, on how he wants his defenseman to play because he never played like that before here in Winnipeg. I think he's looked great in that sense. I mean, I, I'm not saying that he's Bob Yore on the back end. He's not. You know, he has his struggles back there just like everybody else. But he sure plays hard, and he sure has embraced that, uh, you know, that two-way game for a blue liner. And I like the way that's worked for him. And Dylan really is that guy that's, you know, he's tough back there. He's strong. I mean, from what I can tell, he's a stabilizing force both on the ice and in the dressing room. He's, you know, you guys have talked to him. He's a, a really good guy. He's a really 
well, you know, he's he's thoughtful, uh, he's well spoken, he's considerate. You know, like I think there's a lot about him that you like, uh, in when you're coming into this. And and I don't even mention there that he's you know probably the toughest guy they have back there on the blue line. He can throw his weight around, and he's not terrible with the puck in the offensive zone. So you know, to me, when they went and got Brendan Dillon, that's what they were thinking about when they get to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And they haven't had that chance because they did, they just weren't good enough last year. They're getting close this year. I'll tell you what, they're in the playoffs right now, right? I mean, every yeah. single game is a playoff game for them. That's the kind of guy I think becomes super important. Ben Sherratt with the Habs, right? I mean, that's a really similar player, I think, to Brendan Dillon. And Brent, Ben Sherratt played such a huge role for the Habs. So if you're looking for an unsung hero, yeah, you answered your own question. But I was thinking that already. There you go. You're the unsung hero on this program, Ted Wyman. <laughs> no, no, but the, one, one thing, though, guys. Yeah. How come nobody told Ez to wear a red shirt? This is just Yeah, you know what? Happy... I, I, I didn't get the memo. Like, I went with the black hoodie, Ted. But, yeah, I, I was kind of thinking, well, someone mentioned it in the comment right before you, or no, right as you came on. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I let you down. <laughs> Well, As we I did, have a commercial, I did wear green on St. Patrick's Day though to uh, celebrate my one quarter Irish heritage. Oh, really? <laughs> but you drank, but you drank twelve beers. So how does that? How yeah. does that square? I drank like I was full Irish, but I'm only actually a quarter <laughs> Irish. My grandfather was Irish, but yeah, I, uh, I definitely can. Uh, I can tip back a few, as you know, to uh, Drew. I do know that we've had we've had the opportunity to tip a few back with Ted at uh, a local watering hole once or twice over the days, and it's always been. Well, we're going to do it again. The snow's melting. We're going to yeah. do it. Hey, I don't even have any snow behind hey, me. Gone by May, guys. I mean, come on, it's going. Yeah, Ted, and Ted, we're we're both in River Heights, so you can come over and uh, you can help me shop back my basement when warm water comes in. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was thinking more like you know a uh, smoked meat at Bernstein's or something. There you go. That yeah, works now you're well. talking our language, yeah. Teddy, <laughs> thank you, buddy. Thanks, guys. Great time. Great to see you and uh, to visit with you. Have an awesome day. You too. Thanks, Ted. You do. There he goes. Ted Wyman, our friend from the Winnipeg Sun, the sports editor of the Winnipeg Sun, joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. That's not only it for Ted. I'm going to go back to my family, and uh, hopefully my wife has not fa- uh, finalized the divorce proceedings just yet. So I'm going to turn true, over the reins. let's be honest. You're going back to the craps table. <laughs> That's true. I might be doing that as well. I'll turn over the reins to When's Dave the basketball and- game? Yeah. Drew, Drew, since when did you rename the dice, Laura? <laughs> uh, the basketball game is at 6 o'clock tonight yukon right uh, gonzaga 6 p.m uh, local time so i think it's about eight o'clock uh, back home in winnipeg after the jets and the kings of course i'll be looking for you on the broadcast room well you they, they better be panning to the upper deck because i promise <laughs> you i'm nowhere near the court i'll be in those upper, upper deck, deck seats cost fourteen thousand dollars <laughs> they uh yes let's not discuss that they were it, it was it's a fun little treat for my wife and i to be going to the elite eight yeah. uh, later on this afternoon so we're going to be enjoying that and enjoying a night on the strip as it were you guys are going to be covering the Jets and the Kings and of course the post game show 545 back here on our YouTube channel. Gentlemen, have a great rest of the show. I give you lots of kisses. Drew. We'll see you guys later on. Dave and Ezzy bringing it home from here on out. It is the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Don't go anywhere. We're live on this Saturday morning. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, John Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party. Even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com.
Hayez, a strange question for you. But why are you lying on the ground being crushed by a piano? Well, Drew, I definitely tried to carry this baby grand piano down the stairs by myself, and somehow I failed miserably. Right, right. Uh, I'm sorry. That was a silly question on my part. My apologies. Would you like me to call Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage to help you move the piano? They are the most experienced piano moving company in Winnipeg, after all. Yes, please call Rollies and hurry. This piano is very, very heavy. Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage offers stress-free residential moving services while taking great care of your personal belongings, including your piano. At Rollies, no job is too big or too small. For more information, visit Rollies.com. Hi, it's Drew from Illegal Curve here. Selling your home can be stressful, but it wasn't for me. Thanks to my friends at Zapia Group Realty, they made the process so easy. My home sold within 48 hours and with multiple offers. Zapia Group Realty took care of everything with their exquisite customer service and attention to detail. If you want to sell your home for more in less time, get started by talking to Frank and Mauro Zapia of Zapia Group Realty. Online at zapiagroup.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center, and they whiten my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go, We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. So you're a pizza person, you married a wing person, but somehow your kids are salad people. You can't pick your fam, but you can pick your BP meal deal. Starting from $18.99 for takeout or delivery at bostonpizza.com. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. This is the voice of Dave Manute. The air seems fresher. It's crisper. I, I, feel, I feel more confident, stronger, healthier. Yes, yes, as if you'll be able to speak more and have... The ice, the mic time that you, I was going to say the ice time, Ezzy, but the mic time is essentially our ice time. And I'm not going to treat you like a fourth liner, Ezzy. You're a first liner in my mind. I I'm Dave Manuk. But we know, we know that I'm a fourth liner, Dave. Let's <laughs> he's an, he, well, you're a fourth line grinder. We know that. You're, he's Ezzy Ginsberg. This is the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. You'll notice the, I'm welcoming you back. It's not Drew Mandel. Drew was lucky. Drew is nice enough, I should say, or if we were lucky enough to be joined by Drew for uh, the first hour of the program. The last hour of the program will be closed out by Ezzy and I as we discussed. Drew, by the way, just for you know waking up that early, right? Because he came on at uh, 7 o'clock, right? As opposed to here in the central time zone where we start the show at 9. So good on him. I mean, if I was him, I would be passed out in the pool if I was in Vegas. Well, as I mean, do we really? I mean, look, I did the same thing for the 14th anniversary show. I was in Vegas. I managed to wake up, do a little stroll. Went for a little uh, walk, yeah. A little stroll around. I thought Drew was going to do that, too. That was... Uh, what hotel did you stay at last time, Dave? Resorts World. And Resorts World. There you go. Because Planet yeah. Hollywood was our, our was hotel. The Remember, we yeah. went, I think that was 2014. Obviously, met our boy Philly Dan. Shout out to Philly Dan. He's actually in Vegas right now. So he's I'm, always in Vegas. He is. I mean, that guy is, uh, he's he's here and there and everywhere. Huge uh, Flyers fan, obviously. But um, Philly, yeah, we, had, we had fun there. I believe Britney Spears was playing at the... Uh, uh, Planet Hollywood when we were there, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, don't you remember she sang that uh, ballad to you? It was very nice. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you mean you mean the security guards told me that if I didn't behave myself, they were going to send me to the uh, Las Vegas Police Department. I think that's what you're talking about, Dave. Well, it was really it was a little really too, a little too close to Britney. 
Well, as in, it was really weird because all you're doing was talking to like a cardboard cutout of Britney, but that still offended people. And then they still wanted to uh, punish yeah, you that accordingly. Cardboard, that cardboard cutout was very realistic. I thought that was, that was really Britney, Dave. So no matter what anybody says, that was, that was uh, not, you know, not, you can't fault me for being excited for a Britney Spears cutout. Well, and I can't fault the folks for demanding something as in, we always on this show, we try and give the people what they want. So let's give them what they want, which is put on your antlers. It's time for the Manuk Moose Minute on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. That's right. It is time for the Manuk Moose Minute, although Ezzy is always welcome to jump in and and share his thoughts on the moose. I don't step on your toes during during a Manuk Minute. Yeah, well, I mean, that's fine. But uh, the fact is that there was no toes to be stepped on because the Moose got off to an explosive start yesterday. A couple of lineup changes. Evan Poli, Ashton Sautner came out. And Thomas Caron and Jimmy Olney, the captain, came back in. And Arvid Holm got the net for us from Oscari Salmonen. And, you know, we always talk about starting off right. And lately the Jets have been, uh, man, Maul wants us to bring back Drew. Maul, what's wrong with you? We can't bring back Drew. There's no, no bringing sorry, back Maul. Drew. That was an hour too much, if you ask me. It's time for the yeah. Ginsburg Manuk experience. Yeah, I was. I had the. I had the whole. I didn't even. We didn't know if Drew was going to be joining us. In fact, so I had this whole intro ready to go, and then all of a sudden, next thing I knew, when I logged on, there was Drew. So I, I knew that took that took away a little thunder. But that's why Drew the was Manu- waiting there for like half an hour. Like he was just. <laughs> he was kind of like dozing off, and then as soon as you sign in, he's like, "Okay, I'm good to go." Well, the best is like normally a Manuk Moose minute, of course, wouldn't be happening till the end of the show, begrudgingly, of course. But now, because I'm in control, Ezzy, we are doing it right now. And look, it was a good game. The Moose continue to uh, roll towards a playoff position, something that they're going to do with rather ease with their remaining games. Their magic number is down to six after last night's big game, and they got off to a good start. Leon Gavonke, the 2017 fifth rounder, 32 seconds into this game, he scored his 15th goal of the season. Not bad for a defenseman. He's what people uh, should be talking about. Sorry, I guess I am stepping on your toes. It's okay. Interrupting you, David. This, is, like, it's not, this isn't a monologue. This is no, a, this you know, is a dialogue. I feel, like, I feel like sometimes when you talk about Leon Gavonke, people just, you know, they immediately think, oh, okay, well, he's just, you know, he's, putting up goals at the AHL level, but mm-hmm. I think you'd agree. I mean, I, I think, you know, it might be time for a, a look at the NHL level, right? He's 23 years old, 24 years old at this point. Yeah. And I'm not saying that he should go right into a top four role with the Jets. All I'm saying, Dave, is I, I think, you know, you would agree that, you know, he's on the NHL radar right now. Well, I mean, look, from the right side perspective, and you've had guys flip and flop, and, you know, Villianola has played over on the right side occasionally. He did that back in Liga. He's done that for the Moose. You know, like that's something and we've talked about it with Nate Schmidt, right? When you come in to the to the NHL and the left whole entire left side is blocked for you, what did Nate Schmidt as a left shot defenseman do? He moved over to the right side. So you do what you need to do in order to say, okay, that's where the lack of depth is in the organization. I'll go on the right side and I'll I'll do that. But but same but thing with Gustafson, Gavon- right? Gustafson's a natural center, but he's been yeah. playing for the most part on the wing for the Jets. Right. And I, and I just think like, you know, look, the fact is that if you needed someone to play on the right side, you kind of wanted to see what you do have in Gwanke. I mean, he's no longer waiver exempt. He passed through waivers. So they could have recalled him without any issues. But the fact of the matter is that, I, you know, I, to me, I would have given him a shot because you kind of want to see like, uh, and you never know. I mean, look, we never know what's going to happen. Look, the Jets have, you, know, you get the four emergency recalls. I can't remember if actually Anson Fielby qualifies as one of them because they did paper him 
down to the moose and then bring him back up. I, I'm not certain whether that, was that close counts to the trade deadline, right, Dave? That was it was right on. The, it was the same. It was it was on yeah. the deadline. So yeah. the only question is, I just can't remember what the rule is as to whether that counts as one of their four or if it doesn't. I, I probably would think it does, and it, but I but I can't recall 100. So the fact is, you can still use emergency recalls anyways if you're not 100 healthy. I just think like it depends on if the Jets clinch. You know, they may want to give some guys shots for a couple of reasons. One, you may want to let it get some guys sit, like Neil Pionk. Okay, here's a crazy notion. Bring up Leon Gavonke, let him play a couple yep. of games or a game. I think that's a good let, idea. It makes a lot and of let sense. Neil, yeah, and let Neil Pionk sit. Let him heal up, a, you know, a day or two, especially when you have those nice little gaps in games or don't play him in the back-to-back. You know, if you've already clinched sure. by that San Jose, Minnesota opportunity, then you have a chance to bring up a guy and you can let it, 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 it's twofold. You let a guy rest and get some recovery and get him a little bit healthier for the playoffs. But more importantly, you also see what a guy can do at the NHL level that you've never seen. It's a reward, right? It's a reward for how he's played this season with the Moose. And like you said, it gives another defenseman, whether it's Neil Pionk, whether it's Josh Morrissey, like regardless of of who it is, you give some players. And I think, Dave, to your point, the Jets, I mean, it's obvious that the Jets don't want to be still, you know, having to win those last couple games, right? They've got Nashville, Calgary. Those are the last two games or... No, the last two games are Minnesota and Colorado, I believe. Oh, sorry. So, but I think Nashville and Calgary are are they're in that stretch. They're in that stretch, right? So, yeah. But regardless of what game we're talking about, I think you know you don't want to. You hopefully want to have locked up a playoff position with three or four games left, as opposed to you know two games left or one game left. Well, and and I just think like sometimes this organization makes mistakes in that regard. Like I'll, I'll never forget Brandon Kitchen, who was the probably the best defenseman for the Moose in the. 15, 16 season, which was, you know, as, as Chase DeLeo used to call it, dark times. But because, you know, they weren't a very good team. But, what about but, Chase's dog, Chase Jr., Dave? <laughs> Remember when but, we had him on on the, on the old uh, TSN 1290 days and we could hear his dog barking in the background. And yeah. We started talking to Chase about his dog. I'm pretty sure he's got an entire farm in, in San Diego, or at least his family does. But look, the fact of the matter is well. that Brendan Kitchen was up with the Jets on that last California road trip the year they didn't make the playoffs. And instead of playing Brendan Kitchen, who was the top defenseman with the Moose, they played Mark Stewart, which was unnecessary. And they should have, you know, played Kitchen. It was funny because Kitchen came down. I'll never forget it. Keith, Keith McCambridge was the first year of the Moose here in Manitoba. And the Jets flew back from California, landed at like four in the morning. And Kitchen called McCambridge like at like six and said, I want to play today and ended up playing in that game. And I think he scored the OT winner uh, for the Moose that that game. But, you know, don't don't. 100% quote me on that. I just think that you could see he had a burn a saddle by not getting into a game. And I just think that there's an opportunity to get some guys into the lineup that, that need to. So anyways, I just think that uh, is an opportunity for the jets to kind of see what they've got in players. And here's another player as who's been, you know, nothing but good for this Manitoba moose team, Alex Limoges. He got the game quickly into a two, nothing lead about two and a half minutes after Gavonke's goal to make it two, nothing when he put home a nice pass by Jeff Malott. That's going to be a theme throughout the course of this game. And so it was 2-0 for Manitoba just a few minutes into the first period. And they kept things rolling. Greg Morellis, he scored his third goal in the last six, his seventh goal overall this season with a nice little individual effort. And then the 2020 second rounder for the Winnipeg Jets, Daniel Torgerson, big, strong guy using learning again the game here, his first full season in North America. And he was in front of the net. He put home a puck. So it was 4-0 Manitoba after one period, an explosive first period. And that's how they were going to continue into the second, because guess who scored as no surprise, Jansen Harkins, Jansen Harkins scored his 20th goal of the season. He's got 20 goals in 34 games for the Manitoba Moose. And I'm not Good certain. For him. I, you know, I've been saying this for, I don't know, at least two weeks, three weeks that 
you know, I think a guy like Jansen Harkins should be called up, even though I don't, I'm not saying Harkins is going to score a hat trick for the Jets if he's called up, Dave. I yeah. just think that he's played so well in the AHL that he deserves a, a, a call up. But continue on on Harkins because it is a great story that he could have pouted and, you know, he could have struggled. But what, he, what he's done is basically be the moose and you would you would know better than I would he's been basically the moose's uh most reliable goal scorer yeah yeah he's been he's been I mean again he's got 20 goals in 34 games I mean his his if you look at him from a points uh per game percentage he's top top 10 of the AHL so he's been fantastic he's done absolutely everything and he's a difference maker in the American Hockey League and look guys and girls I'm not suggesting that Jansen Harkins going up as as he just said and he agrees he's not going up to the NHL and he's going to score a hat trick but I mean, I, I just thought that he, I think he could be a contributor at the NHL level. I thought if you put him alongside Adam Lowry, that he could have been a good uh, distributor for Lowry. I think he's a cerebral well, player. That's what we thought the third line was going to be at the beginning of the year, right? We thought it was right. going to be Harkins, Lowry, and and Barron, right? Yeah. And then obviously Appleton, he was the kind of the next candidate. But you're absolutely right, Dave. Like, you know, Harkins is a guy that I think, I mean, you know what you're going to get out of Jansen Harkins, right? And I think he would boost the offensive ability of of the of the bottom six, whether he's on the fourth line or the third line. That's right, exactly. And so, look, I, I, I like, I just think that he's been having a great season. Another guy who's having a great season, Jeff Mallott for the Manitoba Moose. I mean, he he matched his career high four assists. He's got 99 points in his AHL career. He had a three assist game already for the Moose when it was five nothing because he assisted. Uh, on the first five, one of the three of the first five goals for the Moose. They gave up two uh, in the second period to make it a 5-2 game. But of course, they just continued to fire in the third. And Alex Limoges got his second of the game. And it was his 50th point. First time he's ever hit 50 points in the AHL. Uh, Leon Gavanke, I spoke about him. He set a new career high for points with 37, 15 goals, 22 assists. And with the 6-2 win, Ezzy, the Moose improved to 34, 19, 5, and 4 which gives them 77 points, puts them two back of Texas and Milwaukee for first. They're currently on a five-game point streak, 3-0-1-1, and, and they just continue to, to play well. And they, you know, all the guys had an impact in, in the game yesterday. All the guys had a piece of the game yesterday, and they'll be taking on the Laval Rocket in as, what game is it tomorrow? One sec, Dave. I was just checking out the Laval Rocket lineup here. Laval Rocket are not very good. So the next two no. games, as you talked about, are against Laval Rocket. But the game on Sunday, good plug here for Hockey Manitoba, celebrating women in sport. So there's going to be a lot of female hockey players teams. And I know that because uh, I was part of the uh, promotion with the Moose. So there's going to be a lot of female hockey players there and, and a lot of celebrating um, you know, women in sport, which is always a good thing. So you know, hopefully the, uh, the Moose will pick up a win against Laval. And as Dave talked about, points in five straight, Laval's not a really good team, so you're not going to take them uh, for granted. But, um, yeah, it should be a lot of fun celebrating uh, female hockey. And and I know Bailey asked a question as to why Cole Meyer received a 10-minute misconduct. It seemed like everybody, as he, in that game, received a 10-minute misconduct towards the end. I know Jimmy Olney, Tyrell Bauer, T. Conopoli will be happy. Tyrell Bauer, he was he was feisty. There was a lot of feistiness in that third period because Rockford is playing for their uh, playoffs, and, and they are in a battle right now with Iowa for fourth and fifth. Uh, in the central, the moose, like I said, have, their magic number now is down to six and it could change even more with some things that happened today, even though they're not in action. And as you said, as they're up against Laval, which can even further solidify their push for a playoff spot, but, uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I'm not entirely certain why he was, he received that Bailey. I, I just, 
you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, the refs don't exactly, we, we don't sometimes always get an explanation as to why it is that these guys get these 10 minute misconducts, but it was funny. Cause like the, at the end, the refs were talking uh, to two of the moose players. And then you saw Jansen Harkins kind of skate in to kind of be part of the conversation as, and then the Rockford guy had kind of peeped them and puts his stick up. And then all of a sudden you thought, okay, here's a melee that's about to happen. It didn't, but Harkins got pissed. And, and again, like I said, these teams, I believe play one more time, maybe in, in Rockford. So Okay, I think that's enough for the Manuk Moose Minute. That was minutes, so I hope everyone enjoyed that. We, uh, we, we let's move on, Ez, because we got a chance to talk about the Moose. We love talking about the Moose here on this broadcast, and we'll have another Manuk Moose Minute coming your way on Tuesday after the game. We got Lisa's going with her uh, family. She's going to oh, the game on, tomorrow. Hold, hold on a second, and shout out to Lisa because... No, Lisa, she... it's Lisa. Lisa. No, not Lisa Danko. Lisa oh. Danko's at the, she's in California. Yeah, they're in California. The They've been going to every Jets game in California, I believe, right? Yeah, but Lise is going with her family. Hey, she asked okay, for the, sorry. she asked for, at least and Lisa, very close, but not the same person, unless she can be in two places at once, which would be remarkable. But, but, uh, you know, she's going with her family tomorrow to the game. And, uh, and you're right, Lisa. And let's talk about Ezzy. Let's get into that Kings game because let's do it. The Jets and the Kings, this is a huge contest because, you know, look, Again, I think the Jets have been playing well. I think some of their big players need to step up their games, and we've talked about who those guys are. But this is stepping up in weight class. Yep. This is going up against the big boy. And you're going to see how you can punch up a little bit because the Jets aren't at the level of the Kings right now. They just aren't. So how... Not many, they, not many teams are. They're not. You're right. Like I said earlier in the show, to start to show off, Ezzy, this is a team, this is an LA team that's, you know, tops in the Western Conference right now, especially because Minnesota's hit a bit of a slide. They've also got the most home wins uh, in, in the Western conference. So it's a really good home team. And I mean, we've talked about it, right? Who was the guy that was dominant against the jets? Not, uh, Philip Deneau, not Kevin Fiala, who's injured right now, but Andre Kopitar, the Wiley veteran, right? He had a hat trick. Was it a hat trick or four goals? I almost want to say it was four. Yeah, there you go. You don't see four goal games very often, especially now that Patty line isn't in town, but I mean, Adrian Kempe, uh, Victor Arvidsson, I mean, Drew Doughty. I mean, he's obviously not the same Doughty from, you know, back in 2012, 2014, he's, you know, a little bit older. Um, I'm being generous there, but, you know, you know how much I, I, he's my favorite defenseman. I'll just say that, Drew Doughty. I just love everything about him. Like, I love the fact that, you know, he chirps guys. Everybody knows, you know, the Doughty-Matthew-Kachuk rivalry, Dave. That was one of the best uh, in recent NHL history, right? But, yeah, I mean, look at this Kings team. I mean, it, did it not make complete sense for them to go out and get Eunice Corpusallo? And I realized that, you know, Jonathan Quick, I mean, he was the... I guess the casualty or the the victim of that that was a horrible situation for him, right? Because yeah. Quick is you know arguably you know along with uh, you know Kelly Rudy one of the best King goalies of all time, right? So it's just unfortunate that that he was uh, you know not able to stick with this Kings team. Who they look at they they think you know and and I'm not saying this because I spoke with Rob Blake or Todd McClellan, Dave, but I mean I think that they they think you know unless I'm mistaken that they have just as good a chance as anybody to to win the Western Conference this year, right? Winning the Stanley Cup is a whole different sort story because we know how good the East is, right? When you're talking about, you know, Boston or or Carolina or the Rangers um, or even Toronto, um, you know, there's a lot of teams that I think I would put above the LA Kings, but, you know, it's a hard team to play against and very balanced, right? Like, it's no coincidence that, you know, after they acquired Philip Dano and Victor Arvidsson a few years ago, like, they have a legitimate second line now, right? Like, for so long, the Kings were top-heavy. So, I mean, they present a big challenge. We talked about it. The Kings are really good at home, 8-0-2 in their last 10. Um, you know, they don't have – it's it's 
an, an interesting team, Dave, in that, you know, it's not like the Edmonton Oilers in that they have players as dominant as, as McDavid or Dreisaitl, or even, you know, a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning with, with Kucherov, Point, and, and Stamkos. Like, yeah. sure, Kopitar is, you know, still Kopitar, even though he's a little bit older, but, I mean, it's a very balanced team. And, you know, I've told you this before, like a guy like Sean Dursey, who was acquired in the, the Jake Muzzin trade, they just have a lot of good underrated players on this team. And now with Corpus Allo, their goaltending's improved. So, you know, I mean, the Jets, nothing but an A game is is going to beat the Kings tonight. Probably, well, pro- and, pardon me, this afternoon. Yeah, no, and and that the, the question I, I have for you as, and, and to me, the most remarkable thing that LA did, because I can't ever recall a team that's, you know, a playoff contender, and and you're right. They're not. Are they the upper echelon team? Well, right now they look like they're an upper echelon team in the West. But when can you? They're only remember four points them? behind the Golden Knights. Like I, I think it's going to be tough to catch the Golden Knights because there's only what nine or ten games left for most teams, right, Dave? Yeah, yeah. But they are. I mean, they, there's no doubt. And I, and I mean, the Western Conference is not, uh, as you know, uh, very good this year. Right. So I mean, there's there's only so many teams I think that you would call elite in the Western Conference. Like I would still call the Avalanche elite. Until somebody beats them in the playoffs, I'm going to keep calling them elite. And, yeah. oh, who's coming back really soon? Gabe Landeskog. So I think I, I would be nervous to play the Avalanche in the first round, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it would look, it would be the ultimate revenge game uh, ever if you could see an L.A.-Vegas game in any way, shape, or form, uh, you know, at any point in the playoffs. But, no, what I want to ask you is, is to me, the move to trade your goaltender. I don't remember a, a team doing something along those lines and kind of getting the bounce that that the Kings did because a sure. goaltender, I mean, generally when you're making a move like that, Ezzy, it's like okay, we're we're you know a, we're an okay team, but we're we're gonna try and get a goaltender. Like Corpus Allo, as Jets fans know, look how good he was against and 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 remember, Jets fans were lamenting the the loss to to Columbus, but at the time, Columbus had beat the Devils, Columbus had beat Toronto. Or sorry, they lost to the Devils, but it was like a three-two game. They beat Toronto, they beat Dallas, then they beat Winnipeg. And Corpus Allo was a big part of that. And we should mention Patty Line. He might be done for the season. He uh, suffered an injury in practice the other day. So it looks like his. I yeah, think it's, they said it's it unfortunate because, like, uh, you know, the Blue Jackets, I think you'd agree, we're going to go on a nice long Stanley Cup run this year. <laughs> but they did move. I, you know, one curious thing with Patty Line, they moved him to center. He was playing center for the last yeah, I love games. That. I, think- I, I, I don't know if that was, that was Pascal Vincent's influence. No, I'm obviously joking. But yeah, you don't expect Line A to play center, but I, I'm sure, you know, he had fun with it. And and the thing, Dave, too, is I think you'd agree. You know, when you're when you have no chance of making the playoffs, the Blue Jackets have been out for months now. Now's yep. the time to do it, right? Well, and and that's what I that's what we talked about in terms of the Jets, right? Like, see what you've got in the system. Get you know, give some guys an opportunity to come up and play. Like, if you want to see what you know, Jeff Malotti played the one game with the with the Moose la- with the Jets last year, or any of those. Yeah, that was know. weird. Malotti was in net. I didn't think that was going to happen. I thought they would keep him <laughs> as a forward, but. Hey, they said, you know, Jeff, if you want to play with the Jets, you got to strap the pads on. And he was game. Hey, Ezzy, sometimes you're surprised by what some of the two pad stacks these guys make while uh, while out of the out of the crease. But no, look, I, I'm not going to tr- reverse and go back into the Manuk Moose minute because we're talking Jets Kings right now here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. I'm Dave Manuk. He's Ezzy Ginsberg. And of course, while you're here, while you're joining us on your Saturday morning, please smash that like button. Give us give us a little love that way and leave comments. On this, on the YouTube channel, we always appreciate that. I try and respond to every single one, unless you're, and especially if you're insulting Mindell, then I give you like eight thumbs up, not just one. And of course, if you can, drop a comment on the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download this podcast. But look, I mean, this is this is a big test. We'll see what Rick Bonus has had stable lines 
And one of the things we've talked about is how does he run those lines and, and whether he, you know, his, his ice time distribution as he, we've seen some guys go down. We've seen some guys go up, but this is going to be a, this is going to be a compete test. This is going to be a, a, a challenge to this Jets team to say, okay, are you ready to compete against an LA team that is playing as good a hockey as anybody in the NHL? Yeah. And, and you, you would have to think that Todd McClellan is going to try to get the Kopitar line. I mean, it's tough to say, but I would think that, you know, if he can, he would try to get the Kopitar line versus the Shifley line. And that would mean that um, the second line, which is centered by Philip Deneau, would go up against the um, Pierre-Luc Dubois line, right? So, you know, we talked about it a little bit. They've actually got Quinton Byfield um, up on the first line playing wing right now. He's a natural center. So the, the top two lines are Byfield, Kopitar, and Adrian Kempe, who's having a career year. And then you've mm-hmm. got Trevor Moore, Philip Deneau, and Victor Arvidsson on that second line. And that second line is very good defensively, and it's scrappy. But it can pop the puck in the net as well. So that's kind of what I was saying, right? Like, this Kings team has depth. And, you know, even if you want to go down the lineup, right? Like, Blake Lazat, Gabe Velarde, uh, Alex Iafalo is, is your third line, right? Like, Lazat, Iafalo. These guys have had some success against the Jets. So again, I'm not saying that this is uh, you know, an unwinnable game for the Jets, but this Kings team, and, and I'm not a Kings fan, by the way. I just like the way they play hockey. I think Todd McClellan hasn't gotten enough credit you know, for the work he's done with this team. And I agree with you, Dave. Like, It's not common that you see a team second or third in the division, or first in the division for that matter, go out and trade the franchise goalie. But you know, Quick wasn't good this year. Like, right. We don't have to go over the numbers. His numbers were awful. It's been well-documented, but then he's found a little bit of the fountain of youth in in Vegas. And we'll have to wait and see, you know, if he gets the the majority of the starts uh, in the playoffs, but um, you know, you've got other goalies there like Logan Thompson, Aiden Hill. We talked about Lauren. They're all injured though. That's the problem. Everybody gets getting injured. That's why there's question marks, right? I think is Michael Hutchinson in Vegas as well. No, he was traded as part, he was traded as part of the, the, the deal for a quick. There you go. So we don't have two former Jets backup goalies there, but we have at least one with with Brassois. So that would be the the big question mark for me with the Golden Knights. But back to the Kings, Dave, by getting Eunice Corpusello, who look at he's an above average NHL goaltender. That's yeah. what he is. He's not top five in the NHL. He's not Connor Hellebuck. But you know, Corpusello is an upgrade over Jonathan Quick. So, you know, I I think that was a smart move by Rob Blake. And look at they've won eight of their last 10, right? So the move, he's obviously Corpusello hasn't played every single one of those games. And we don't know if he's going to play this afternoon against the Jets. Um, but if he is, I mean, they know that they're going to be facing a really good goaltender. They will indeed. Well, any Ezzy, when we return, John Mattis of the score is going to join us and we're going to take a, a twirl around the NHL with him. We always love having John on. He's he's always a great guest. So let's head to commercial break. While you listen, or you've been listening to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, we appreciate you joining us this Saturday morning. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Dave Manuk, Ezzy Ginsberg, and one of our favorite guests, John Mattis of The Score, is here joining us. John, how are you today? Hey, fellas. I'm well. How are you guys? Long time no see. I think we're pretty good. Yeah, it's been a few months here. Are we missing? Yeah. Are we missing someone? What's going on here? Yeah, Drew's, Drew's in Vegas. You know, he's uh, doing it up. He's uh, hitting up the nightclubs, hitting up the casino. So, no, he was actually, I'm not sure if you caught any of the first hour, John, but he was on for the first hour. And then we said, okay, that's enough, Mindell. We can take it from here. So he's just, he did he just jump right into a pool, like right into one of those uh, DJ uh, focused <laughs> uh, pool parties down in Vegas? Is he the type of guy to get into that? Unfortunately, they, they 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 saw Drew and they said, "I'm sorry, we don't want you in here. Uh, you're you're not allowed. You're not allowed into That's the way too uh, into much the body hair for us." Yeah, he's stuck in the line. He's trying to buy over the uh, the the bouncer, the bouncer right now. Yeah, That's, yeah I bet you that's exactly what's going on. 
Yeah, and they're like, sir, you can't use a uh, Canadian bill to get into this uh, club. <laughs> Sorry, please, please stay away. We don't accept your Monopoly money, right? There you go. <laughs> Especially the ones with pictures of Drew on it. It just doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know, John, want to talk about, you know, everything NHL with you. But first, let's talk about the team here in Winnipeg. What have you been in your impressions of this team that seems to be, had been stumbling and bumbling and now, you know, have two wins uh, as they try and push for a, that final playoff spot in the West? Yeah, well, one thing I would say is that they set themselves up fairly well to stumble a little bit down the stretch. Like, obviously, they rather not be in the wild card and they'd, you know, rather not go through adversity like this. But uh, I think the early season success really helped them get to this point and, and really be able to uh, ride out a, a storm. Like, I mean, three wins in the last four, uh, they've turned things around a bit. Obviously Kyle Connor is back to, to scoring goals after a bit of a drought there and bonus bench to his players. Uh, it's kind of an interesting, uh, development we've seen we saw it with the Tampa Bay Lightning a couple weeks ago too where the coach just says listen I don't care if you're the highest paid player I don't care if if you are our stars and we need you right now like this is just unacceptable and I get I guess this is the part of year that of the year that you do it um and we saw it obviously in, in Calgary as well where Jonathan Huberto not playing down the stretch when they needed a goal the other night so that that's kind of just a league-wide takeaway honestly with uh with Winnipeg Calgary and Tampa all uh, going through something what, between the coach and the stars. Um, but you know what? This this Jets team, I'm still kind of hung up on the deadline and the the activity that that came through Winnipeg. You know, obviously I like the Nino Nita Rider pickup, um, but there was something sort of left on the table, in my opinion, in terms of the window of this team and trying to, to push all your chips in, in the middle of the table like, we're clearly at the end of the road uh, with a, I don't have the, the names off the top of my head right now, but there's three or four guys coming up after the end of next season. Shifley, and Wheeler, Dubois, Hellebuck. There you go. Like <laughs> this is, this is really tight window and sure you could be maybe holding on to everything for, for next year's deadline and kind of doing your final push then. But I don't know. Uh, and, and, and I know that uh shovel day off has been, active at previous deadlines, but he's generally doesn't make a ton of trades. He generally holds tight. So it's kind of par for the course, I guess, but there's something sort of just nagging at me with, with the way that they handle the deadline, given how wide open the West is. Um, and again, within the context of the team and the timeline and, you know, these, the, the core isn't getting any younger too, right? It's not like, obviously they have uh, um, Perfetti up front, and, you know, a couple of other pieces, you know, coming through through the pipeline. But, like, let's face it, the, the core isn't exactly getting supported by a ton of young guys. So, anyways, that, that that's more of a, I guess, of a big picture way to, to look at things. Um, and also, maybe it's, a, it's an indictment on the core. Like, hey, we don't want to give you support. We don't believe in you. Um, so, that's a whole other problem in, in and of itself. But um, I, think, I think it's pretty obvious that this team is – is better suited or or more likely to do something dangerous in the playoffs under bonus than under Maurice. Um, and I think that there's been some learning and some growing pains this season. And we saw it recently with the benching. So yeah, Winnipeg's uh, one of those teams where I'm, I'm kind of keeping my eye on down the stretch as far as like, what do they look like going to the playoffs? Because there's been some up and down, some turmoil, but also been some really like, strong stretches here in the season and especially early on 
Yeah, and that's it, 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 you just nailed it, John. Because that that the first thirty to thirty five games were almost a completely different season for the Jets, right? Like we've seen, you know, the last thirty or thirty five games, and the Jets have been, you know, around five hundred. I would have to go back and, and check the record, but you know, they've been kind of middling for a while here, and I think that's, you know, to your point. That's what Jets fans and observers are waiting for. Like, when is the other shoe going to drop? When are the Jets going to flip the switch and, you know, beat some of these teams more convincingly, right? Like, they they just got past the Coyotes. Uh, they only beat the Ducks by a goal, but, I mean, they played much better. But I think, you know, the Jets need to beat a few good teams, and they play the Kings this afternoon. And I wanted to ask you about the Kings because you mentioned the trade deadline, and I agree with you. Like, I was looking for... The, I, I wanted the Jets to get their Matias Ekholm, right? Who obviously went sure. to the Oilers, but to me, that's what the Jets needed. They needed an upgrade in their top four. And you asked Dave, and I've been saying this for, I don't know, months now, that it's the right side, right? Because the left side, you've got Josh Morrissey, you've got Brendan Dillon, you've got Dylan Sandberg, who's going to go back in the lineup this afternoon after being a healthy scratch. Uh, Kyle Capobianco was was in for the last couple of games, but to me, it was the right side, right? Like, I like Dylan DeMello, like Neil Pionk and Nate Schmidt, but I just thought, you know, if you could bring in a right shot defenseman, that would be much better. But getting back to the Kings, sorry, I'm all over the place here. <laughs> it's okay. They go out, they go out and they, they bring in Eunice Corpusallo, and I think he's only played three or four games, but he's been really good. We're not sure if it's going to be Corpusallo or Phoenix Copley this afternoon, unless Dave knows something that I don't know, and Dave does know a lot of things that I don't know. But regardless if it's uh, Corpusallo or, or Phoenix Copley, what do you make of this Kings team and, and the recent stretch, right? 8-0-2 in their last 10 games. I mean, it's a very balanced team. It seems like they're not getting as much love, though, as some of the other teams like Vegas and Colorado. So in your opinion, can this Kings team go on a run this year? I think so. I mean, I've been kind of waiting for them to really pop as a team for a little bit here, a couple of years. Like, I know that they've been slowly building it up and really trying to capitalize on this two or three year period where Dowdy and Kopitar are still relevant, are still impactful players. And I think we're seeing the fruits of that this year. Um, maybe not to the extent that, that some people might've hoped, but a lot of that is also comes down to goaltending. I mean, it's not too often you see a team go through what the Kings went through and still have 92 points in, in 71 games. They had Cal Peterson, who was the goalie of their future. Absolutely. Just completely, face plan as far as his development, his trajectory. So they demote him, say, hey, if we're ever if you're ever going to be an NHL goalie again, like you gotta fix it in the HL. We can't be losing games. And then obviously Jonathan Quick, um, whether it's injuries or poor play, didn't work out there and ultimately gets shipped out in, in sort of a uh, an awkward fashion. And Felix Copley, like you can't blame the guy for for what he's been doing so far. Like you can't do anything but praise him. But you know, I don't think anyone's except for the it. way he spells his name. I'm not sure why it's <laughs> why it's uh, Phoenix as opposed to Phoenix, but uh, it's kind of a cool spelling. But yeah, <laughs> I no, think that, right. that, yeah, really you can good. you can nitpick that for sure. But on the ice, I mean, considering like his uh, pedigree and sort of what he had shown previously, it was it was totally a shot in the dark and just kind of a a last ditch effort by Rob Blake there, and for the most part worked out well. And then obviously they thought this is gonna fall off a cliff at some point. So let's pick up Corpus Allo and, and now they're running with it. So they're, I really like that the, the way that they've constructed their team and, and reloaded here, obviously they've drafted quite well. Uh, they've hit on a lot of guys and they still have someone like Byfield who really needs to, to break through and obviously has shown great signs this year, but they, they picked up Fiala in the off season. I thought that was pretty, pretty wise move in terms of moving out Brock Faber, who was, 
a bit of a a bit of a luxury given how many defensemen they have coming through uh, the system. And I just uh, I don't know if I fully believe LA is a a cup contender, but they're certainly um, at this point in the season, given how hot they are, given that their goaltending has been stabilized, they're certainly a strong test for for the Jets this afternoon. And, sure. you know, I don't know what the, the betting lines are, but I assume that, that LA is the, the favorite. They are courtesy of our friends at Betway. Of course, John, we know that the uh, Kings are in fact the favorite team. And I, I don't want to talk about a team. Well, we're going to talk about a, a team that was formerly in Atlanta, but not the Jets. We're going to talk about the Calgary flames because what the heck is going on in Cal- They were my Stanley <laughs> cup uh, finalist pick. I thought Mark room was going to get it done. I thought he was going to be the guy. Still working thought- for you, Dave. Yeah, I don't think so. But uh, I might hit on my other one, which was Carolina. But right now, the Flames one is not looking so hot. Uh, you know, John, what, what is going on in Calgary? You hear so many different things. Some players are, you know, it sounds like mutiny on the balcony. And, and other times, they're, they're, some guys are loving what Sutter's doing. So what is going on in Calgary? What are you seeing happen in that market? Because it just seems like such a bizarre situation where they, and again, we don't, po- you know, here we're focused more on what's going on with the Jets, but it just seems like Calgary, they're just so, the only thing they're consistent at being right now is inconsistent. That's a good way to put it. And I think it all comes back to, you know, you have your starting goalie who is, if I'm not mistaken, a Vesna finalist last year, who, you know, is not a flash in, a pl- in the pan. Like, you know, all things equal, he's, I don't know, at, at worst a top 10 goalie in the league, probably a top five guy. In Jacob Markstrom and he struggled all season like there's been no like great you know stretch of two months or like oh you know it's just his first half that was bad and he's really uh come along here it's like no it's been pretty much bad start to finish uh sprinkle in a couple of good games here and there but that's it so when you couple that with Jonathan Huberto coming over and not performing to his capabilities certainly not even close to 115 points that he put up last year I believe he set a record for a left winger uh, which is wild to think of. Um, so if you put those, like everything else aside, if those two factors are in play of Markstrom being well below expectation and Hubert are the same thing, I think you, you almost automatically get into this situation where they're hanging on by a thread in the playoff race in the West. And obviously Daryl Sutter is one of the more older school coaches, one of the more... Um, yeah, uh, hard-ass coaches. I don't know how else you want to put it, but he's certainly not new school. And, you know, that he's going to clash with these younger guys. Like even Huberto, I know he's not young in the sense that he's 18, but he's part of this generation that has been coddled in, in some ways by their coaches. And and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's the way that you should operate your bench in, in 2023, but you're going to clash a little bit with your coach, right? So they're 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 a team that's, I don't know if it's better if they miss the playoffs for their organization, but well, it almost feels like it might be better. Like, cause if you make, if you make it as the, the, the second wild card or, or somehow get to the, the first wild card spot, which seems very unlikely, I feel like it kind of glosses over whatever's going on there uh, in the room tactically uh, within Markstrom's game. So if they can miss the playoffs and reboot in the offseason, I mean, there's no reason why we can't be going into next season going, okay, you know, bit of a mulligan last season, and this team at worst is a playoff team and at best could maybe challenge in the Pacific. Because, like, let's face it, they uh, – you know, a lot of people, I would say the majority from at least the people that I 
um, pay attention to, like their trades, uh, or sorry, like what they did in the offseason as far as losing Goudreau, losing Kachuk, but being able to really salvage that situation and maybe even making out uh, better than they were before as far as bringing in Weaker, Kadri, and Huberdo. And it just hasn't worked in year one. And that's not a rare thing. Uh, I think there's often a transition period, especially when you shake up a team so so much at, at its core. So, uh, yeah, Calgary's uh, really a, a tough case. And I kind of feel for their fans in terms of what happened in the offseason, so much upheaval, uh, especially with guys who have been around for so long, huge fan favorites. And then you get the optimism coming into the year. And not only does this, this shiny new toy in Huberto not produce to his level, but also Markstrom, a guy who you probably weren't even worried about coming into the season completely uh, playing below his, his what he's capable of. I think you're 100% right, John. I think, you know, Markstrom's play has been a huge factor, but even though I think I would agree with that, I think most people would agree, Dave M, I think is uh, is in agreement. Like, you lose Johnny Gaudreau and you lose Matthew Kachuk and the players they brought in in Kadri Huberdeau and Mackenzie Wiegar, I think most people would say, even though it's not apples and apples, I think most people would say, okay, this team is still going to be a team that can compete for the playoffs. But as you agree, as you mentioned, I think maybe it was underestimated. I mean, how that was going to affect the identity of this team. Like Matthew Kachuk is is a better Daryl Sutter hockey player than Jonathan Huberdeau is, right? Like Nazem Kadri is a great two-way center. Um, but you know, Kadri has been, you know, I, I think he's been fine. I don't think, you know, anybody was expecting Kadri to put up a hundred points for the flames, but I want to transition to one of your most recent articles. Cause I was talking to, to Dave and I said, you know, John always has these awesome articles and you were talking about, you know, the different hardest skills for an NHL players to master. And I want to bring it up here because I have a few, um, few articles in my, in my notes here. And Sean Dursey is a guy that I think he's missed the last few games. I don't know if he's going to play this afternoon for the Kings, but found it interesting because I believe you talked to half a dozen players, um, if I'm not mistaken, for this article. Jersey, of course, came over in the Jake Muzzin trade. But one of the things that I, I highlighted here that you wrote about Jersey saying that one of the most difficult things was for Jersey to shoot the puck while under pressure and at full speed. And I guess what I wanted to ask you about, not just that particular skill, John, but also just, you know, how interesting it was you know, some of these things are not as sexy in terms of what are the hardest things to do, like receiving a pass, right? Like I've heard that from scouts for many years, and I'm sure Dave M, whether it's an amateur scout or a, a pro scout, you know, taking a pass, receiving a pass, either along the boards or, you know, in transition, right? But just specifically, like writing this article, has this made you, uh, while you're watching hockey now, pay attention to, you know, some of the the minutia maybe that you weren't paying attention to before you wrote the article? Yeah, sure, absolutely. And so I wrote something pretty similar in 2020, um, and, uh, you know, I got pretty good response to it. So I'm like, okay, I'll do it again. Kind of refresh here now that we have locker room access again. And it's easier to have these sort of like one-on-one -on -one conversations. Cause it can be an awkward thing to bring up. And the way I kind of preface it with, with players is like, you know, everyone in this room is elite. You guys don't get to the NHL without, um, you know, being uh, exceptional at so many skills that are, are part of being a hockey player, but um, let's face it, like everyone's working on something. Not everyone's perfect. McDavid, I'm sure, has something that he's like, he just, it, it's very difficult for him to pull off. So that's kind of how I, how I frame it to these guys. And then they gets their wheels turning in terms of like a specific skill, like not like I want to be a better skater. It's like something more specific, like what you mentioned with, with Sean Dursey, a defenseman for the LA Kings, who's, who's more on the offensive side and, and has really come along as a nice piece. Um, his whole thing was, 
in practice, he can do things off the rush with the puck that he just can't figure out during the games. And it's what it comes down to with him is that he has no problem, say, receiving a puck from a, a winger and going down the wall and cutting back and making a nice shot towards the net and trying to pick a corner in practice with guys on, on his back. But when you ramp up the intensity in the game and just, you know, the stakes are higher and there's just, it's just a way different environment. He finds he can do all of that, except it's, it's the picking the, the corner part uh, that he's really trying to figure out and try to try to hone in on. Cause it's one thing to, you know, get past your, the, the defender. It's one thing to sort of make that move towards the middle to get a nice scoring op, uh, opportunity, a nice scoring uh, spot. Um, but it's another thing to, to deceive the goalie and get the puck past the goalie. Cause he says that he can do it from the point. He has no problem deceiving goalies with, you know, the way he shoots the puck, the timing, uh, you know, whether he's on his back foot, his, his front foot, et cetera. Um, but it's kind of interesting, right, to get into the mind of an NHLer and go, oh, yeah, like we forget how fast things are going in the middle of an NHL game, how much pressure a guy is putting on you, and just you're trying to outduel the goalie. Like whenever it's one-on-one with the goalie, like say you do get on a breakaway, it's it's mono a mono, and you got to outsmart him or outskill him in some way, shape, or form. So I'm glad you picked that one out, Ezra. Like it, I, I think that was one of the the seven that I um, that I dove into here with that article that I found kind of interesting because it's it's very kind of specific, right? Like he's right, like, and that's the thing people don't. You mentioned speed, right? And I think any hockey player at any level wants to be faster yeah. as opposed to you know being slower. I don't know anybody who says I want to be slower out there, <laughs> yeah. but I just thought like I'm going to be looking for that tonight. I don't sure. uh, t- today. I don't know again. Jersey, I think, just has a minor injury, but not just Jersey, just looking at, you know, defensemen in general. And and that's why I think, you know, the article was so interesting because it makes you think and you asked the NHL players themselves, right? Like, it's not like you've come up with these ideas. You These NHL players told you this. And I just think it's interesting, something for, you know, hockey fans to, uh, you know, focus in on while they're watching whatever game they're watching. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's one of those things too, where it really brings out, the players appreciation for other players. Like I remember when I did this back in 2020, Evander Kane was just waxing poetic about Connor McDavid and, you know, as we all do, but he's just kind of standing there talking to me and he's like, it is so absolutely difficult to do what he does as far as basically going faster when he has the puck, you know, everyone slows down. It could be, you know, almost unnoticeable to the naked eye, but players know that when they have the puck, whether it's their mind sort of playing tricks on them or they're actually just trying to pay attention to their their, their puck handling more that it slows them down. But it, Kane was just going, not only is it hard to kind of do that in unison, the, the, the skating at a high level and the puck handling at a high level, but also sort of interacting with, you know, your IQ and your hockey sense and making sure you can pull off whatever you can do without the puck. Um, so things like that uh, come up, come from these conversations too. And even just stuff like, a, you know, you find out that Kevin Hayes really wants to work on a slap shot in an era when slap shot rates are down. I mean, uh, there's just less time and space out there, especially at five on five to take slap shots. And he's kind of going back to the lab and trying to figure out like, hey, should I work on uh, slap shots more to make myself more of a weapon? And, and how do I do that? I mean, do I have to, really pair up with a defenseman here and figure out like on the power play if 
um, I can sort of find that that real uh, exceptional passer? Um, can I figure out a way to to shoot? You know, within different spots of my body. Um, one of the great things about Alex Ovechkin is that his wheelhouse is so massive, right? He gets a puck. Same with Steven Samko, same with David Pasternak, these great one-time guys on the power play. They can get a puck in a really awkward position and still fire it the same as if it was perfect. Um, and then you've got Hayes sort of speculating, should I change the flex of my stick? Because uh, I know that I want to change it uh, in order to have better one-timers, but also, like, how does that affect my my work, my wrist shot? How does that affect my, my even strength play when I'm just not going to take slap shots? So I found that interesting as well. And um, just a really fun exercise to just to, to ask a, a really like it's like say if um, you had a carpenter or something uh, who was like world class carpenter, you know, even just relating it to you know a world class programmer um, at, a, at a tech company, like hey, you know, I know you're you're world class at this, but like there must be something that you're still trying to master, something you're really trying to figure out in the details there. So it's interesting to hear uh, what these NHLers have to say. We're joined here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show by John Maddie. He's the senior NHL writer for The Score. And John, one of the recent articles you talked about, no one fears a defensive team. I think that was about four days ago for The Score. And, you know, Jets fans would say, well, where is the offense? Where is this offensive boon? Because it, we're not seeing it here in Winnipeg. But the question I have for you is, do you think that that's still, like, I mean, maybe you can expand on it. As the playoffs get closer and games are supposed to be getting tighter, does that still stay in effect? I think it does to an extent, like uh, it's kind of a scale, right? It's um, basically the, the crux of the article was that it was a way of me talking about the offensive boom that we're, we're seeing here where goals not only were up last year, we're not only up, you know, at the start of this season, but it's remained up to a rate where it's uh, above six goals a game. Um, basically, this is this is 90s level scoring that we're seeing. Um, so there, there's sort of that reality. And I was trying to think of a way to write about it. That's a little different than what's already out there. And it was from the coaching angle. Okay. What do coaches think about this? Mm-hmm. Um, because let's face it. Uh, what have we heard over uh, the entirety of our, our existence as hockey fans, as hockey observers is that coaches love structure. They love defense. They're kind of there to instill those things, shot blocking, um, all that st- kind of stuff. And now they're in this this position where not only are they influ- influencing the goals going up because coaching is is just so tied to the results, but they're also their hands are being forced in some ways too, right? Where the rule book's different, um, equipment is way more, um, I guess, uh, I guess goal happy. Um, like goalie equipment's being trimmed down, uh, the player's stick and skates are, are getting better. Um, expansion has uh, really diluted the talent across the league. So there's just a lot of players that can't play defense because they're young and inexperienced and, and just skilled players in the league. Um, the explosion of, of private coaches, skills and skating coaches has really helped raise that baseline of, of skill across the entire sport at, at all levels. Um, so I was trying to dig into that. And then also, you know, the fact that that power plays have been optimized through coaching, through analytics, through video, Goalies are pulled are pulled earlier than ever, um, as you guys I'm sure have noticed. Like teams love fu- uh, funneling pucks to the slot now. Teams love east west passing. Like the creativity in the offensive zone is just off the charts. Um, Except when it and, comes to the Jets. Yeah, and I was just gonna say, um, obviously, <laughs> there are degrees of 
uh, offensive coaching, right? Um, you've got a guy like Don Granado, which is who had that quote that no one fears a defensive team. Uh, you've got Don Granado in Buffalo where he's almost all, he's almost all in on offense. Obviously he cares about defense and, and that, and, and that element of the game, but He's pretty, he's pretty uh, offense focused. And then you've got other teams, uh, whether it's, you know, Bruce Cassidy in, in Vegas, or you could even argue uh, Winnipeg where the defensive structure is still like such a high um, influence on their game. It's such a, a big uh, talking point for the coaches. So to circle back on, on sort of where, where the question uh, was, was headed is that I think it happens every year uh, coaches, start to clamp down, down the stretch uh, and into the playoffs. I think it's natural for say after the postseason is over for us to see that goal goals are maybe up a little bit in the playoffs, but not to some great degree because we do see uh, the style change and we do see players, um, you know, try harder, let's face it on defense, you know, defense, a lot of it is effort. Um, and then we see coaches clamp down on on sort of game planning against the other team, line matching, and it leads to fewer goals, especially when there's fewer power plays with um, with with officials putting their whistles away. So I, I don't expect, you know, us to see a, a playoffs that's just, you know, seven, two games all the time or, or five, four games. I think it'll lean closer to three, two. But I think uh, as this era continues of offensive dominance, I think we will see the regular season um, uptick in goals trickle in a little bit to the playoffs because there's almost so much skill and so much emphasis on offense in general in the sport now that it's natural for the playoffs to at least be slightly affected. But um, let's face it, like... uh, the playoffs are a different beast. It's all it's it's weird, right, guys? Because I feel like every year you go, oh, this team that won the president's trophy off offense, like they're gonna just run the table in the playoffs. And it doesn't happen because the games change. Um, and we see that with the Leafs. That's been a big thing with the Leafs over the last uh, half decade, where great regular season team fall flat on their face in the playoffs. And some of that is that is because of style change. So it's 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 always a mystery. It's always weird how things uh get flipped in the playoffs, but it's just it's the reality. Well, the reality is we always enjoy having you join us, John, and, and bringing your insight uh, here to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Hold so- on, though. Last question, though, John. Do you think the floor, and, and that was a, a big point that the Islanders lost to the Blue Jackets, but I think you'd agree Florida has a better chance of, of catching the Penguins. Uh, yeah. They've got the Rangers tonight, and then they've got Ottawa, Toronto, Montreal coming up, spending some time in uh, Eastern Canada. But qu- rapid fire here. Do the Panthers catch either the Islanders or the Penguins for the last playoff spot? Yeah, I think they I think they overtake the Penguins here. I think that whether it's momentum or just you know quality of team, I I think that that the thing with Florida is that I'm worried about Brubovsky not having support from Spencer Knight, who's in the player assistance program. Sure, mm-hmm. uh, there's just a lot of pressure on Brubovsky to perform. Um, so that's comes kind of ten, comes with making ten and a half million dollars. Well, of course, yeah, no, a hundred percent. But the, the guy is so incredibly inconsistent that I, yeah. I don't really trust him. But other yeah. than that, I think that Florida's kind of going here and Pittsburgh's going here at, at, at the wrong time for Pittsburgh. Well, John, we so, appreciate it. So, sorry, I was just going to say, yeah, I think you'd agree, John. It'd be so weird with the Penguins. I can't remember the last time the Penguins missed the playoffs. It's been a while. I think 18, 17 years. Yeah, the, the second year that Crosby uh, was in the league is when they made the playoffs. I agree with you, by the way. I do, I do think the Panthers, I think the, the Islanders will 
hold on to their wild card spot. But I agree with you. I think the Panthers will catch the Penguins. They've just been, I mean, speaking of inconsistent with Bobrovsky, I mean, the Penguins have kind of been like the flames of the East, right? Yeah, pretty much. And they're just in a weird situation where they made these very half-assed moves at the deadline where it's like they should have either just done nothing or went crazy because of this window they have with <laughs> Ryan Burke has to do something, John. He can't just sit there idly. True. Yeah. When and, you get Dmitry heck... Kulikov, though, I mean, all oh, bets are off. Yeah, yeah that's uh, that was a huge, uh, you know, groundbreaking trade there. But yeah, the, the Hextall Burke dynamic there is quite interesting with Hextall being so conservative and obviously Burke uh, not being afraid to to pull the trigger on some big trades. Well, I mean, just and I know we said we were going to get you out of here, John, but now we're we're keeping the conversation going. But I will say, like, it's it's no surprise that the Penguins are very similar to the Detroit Red Wings in that regard, given how you know tight they were in those back to back Stanley Cup finals. They faced each other in the late two thousands, but uh, you know, it looked the what was it twenty five years for the Detroit Red Wings without missing the playoffs, and the Penguins looked uh, and they look they're still there's still a chance they make it, but it looked like they were going to try and keep this thing rolling uh, with Sidney Crosby and company and, and trying to keep that band back together for a few more years of, of at least playoff playoffs, whether it was playoff contention or not is another story. And maybe when we have you back on next, we'll be able to talk as to whether the Penguins were a playoff team. So John Maddis is the senior NHL writer for the score. We always appreciate John when you come and join us and bring your insight to the illegal curve show. So thanks very much and enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Hey, no problem guys. Thanks for having me on. Cheers, thanks, John. Cheers. There he goes. That was John, and he is, always brings great insight, as he. We always love great uh, having first name. He has. He does have a great first name. John's first name. Yeah. I know John Ginsburg. Well, I was yeah. going to say that classic didn't let, name. You yeah. let me get to it. Of course, we always. John. We, do, we don't take. We never here on the Illegal Griff Hockey Show miss an opportunity to give a shout out to John Ginsburg. Absolutely, Gary well, Manuk. Hopefully, he's watching. I mean, I, I don't. Sheldon think Mandel. Been, yeah, absolutely. Oh, Cheryl Manuk actually deserves more credit than my dad because my mom watches the games more, more, watches these shows more than my dad. My dad watches, but not nobody, as much. As nobody deserves more credit than Gary. Yeah, well, Cheryl probably wouldn't agree with that well, one. Yeah, but sure. Yeah, <laughs> I just I, the way they're they're like a monolith. Your parents, I just consider them to be. You know, when I say Gary, I mean your mom as well. Okay, fiftieth anniversary for them coming up in June. So wow. uh, they're, fifty. They're, they're, yeah, they've, they've been got forty-five wrong. years on me, Dave. There you go. Well, you'll get there eventually, Ezzy. But look, we're uh, you know we we we're not going to go too much longer because, of course, as we're going to be right back at it with the illegal curve post game show after the Jets and the Kings do battle in L.A. should be a good tilt. That game starts. Crypto.com Arena. That's yeah. uh, weird to say. Well, I mean, how much longer is that name going to be relevant before they have to get exactly, get, a, yeah. get a new sponsor? But is crypto still a thing. I well, I can't imagine that it is, but I price, think it's, what's the price of Bitcoin right now, Dave? I don't know. I'm I'm actually as soon as we're done here, I'm going to go mine it in my backyard. I think that's how you do it. You just you get a pick and a that's shovel. Weird. And I was start... digging at my backyard and looking for crypto, but like I, know. I, just, I yeah. kept I'm like I'm like where is this Bitcoin? How do I find Apparently this you, Bitcoin you need in my like backyard? Servers and stuff like that. <laughs> the reason they do it in Manitoba though, as is because the price of hydro is cheap here in Manitoba. So yeah, cheap electricity, folks, right? Folks love to mine Bitcoin. That's not what this show's about. This show's about the Jets, the Moose. Got to mention the Winnipeg Ice. They won again yesterday. WHL their last, champs, baby. Yeah, their last game of the last road game of the regular season was in Brandon. It was a 3-2 shootout win for the ice. They finish. They'll conclude their regular season tonight in a rematch with their provincial rivals, the Wheat Kings. So Brandon will be in Winnipeg. That's a 6.05 puck drop, I believe, here in Winnipeg, Ezzy. So the Winnipeg Ice. And you know, I see like I, I can't even remember all the records the Winnipeg Ice are currently setting because they've they just set so many most home wins, most road wins, but they're a remarkable 56-10-1 and one on the Crazy. season. 
And yeah, as I said, the puck drop is at 6.05 p.m. So after the Jets game, but you want to make sure you come here, you listen to the show or you download the podcast. Then go to the ice game. And then go to the ice game and support the Winnipeg Ice and make sure you're supporting the Moose. We've already given away the tickets for the Moose game. I'll have more tickets. The crazy ticket machine will be turned on for the remainder. Eight-game homestand, Ezzy. There's still six games left. We've given away the tickets for tomorrow, but there'll be more tickets to be given away for the rest. And as I can't finish the show without some mentions, uh, Partisan Paul was asking me about Jets prospects. And usually after the Manuk Moose Minute, I usually throw in a couple of comments about the ice and the prospects. And I'll just quickly say Rutger McGordy, Michigan is in the, uh, in the NCAA looking to obviously to, to, to challenge for the frozen four. They won big. They pasted Colgate last night, eight, nothing. I like how you said pasted Colgate. Thank you. I can't take credit for it though. And I was, see, this is what, this is how, you know, I'm honorable. I gave credit to the person who came up with that, which is our boy, Seth Rohrbaugh from Pittsburgh. Seth had that. And I, I said to Seth, I said, if that's not the headline, in uh, Colgate places somewhere in upstate New York. I can't remember exactly where, but if I said, if that's not the headline losing, I think that it was, I think it was 11 one was the final, but regardless, Rutger, forget, Mag- Col- is it Cornell is, is Ivy league is Colgate yep. Ivy league too. I believe so. Yeah. 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 So um, actually St. Col- Adolph Manitoba's Avery Pickering who yes. was on U uh, 18 team Manitoba. I believe she's 16. Uh, she might've turned 17, but she'll be going to Colgate. There you go. And as it female players in the province. And well, and we're honoring women in sport tomorrow at the Moose Games, so that'll be a nice shout out by you, Ezzy. And look, speaking of Cornell, Jeff Jeff Malott, of course, was uh, was at Cornell, as was Morgan Barron. So there's some Cornell guys here in this Jets Moose Are you organization. Sure it was or, or was it Sensodyne? <laughs> That's what Drew uses because he's 85 years old when he was watching uh, Billy Mozienko rip home three goals in 21 seconds. But uh, I can't uh, help myself, Dave. It's a sickness, really. I'm sick. I, I yeah. like don't blame. Me. Is it a sickness I, or is it a brilliance? Yeah, uh, I, it's a sickness. Oh, okay. Well, I think I, I tend to think of it as the uh, as the latter. Appreciate the it, Dave, but that's that's why we're so close because you can you know ha- you you know how to handle my dementia. There you go. So uh, I think of it more as idiosyncrasies, as the idiosyncrasies. Yeah, Anywho, yeah. so uh, you know, record majority had two goals, and I'm not joking. I'm pretty sure Jets fans are going to love the fact. Hold on, Matthew Thompson saying Avery Pickering is the best player. Her, his daughter ever played against. So there you go. That's uh, some well, insight. Matthew. I mean, Avery Pickering plays for Balmoral Hall, who, as you know, Dave, they have an amazing program led by Sarah Zacharias. But yeah, Avery is she's incredible, and and she's already played for Canada at the U eighteen uh, Women's Worlds. Yeah. So uh, great hockey family. Own Pickering, of course, drafted in the first round by the Penguins. But yes, Avery is uh, really good, and amazing things are coming for her for sure. There you go. So we were learning about all sorts of factoids here. I was just going to say quick as Riker McGordy, the Jets 2022 first rounder. He had two goals in the Michigan win, but I'm pretty sure Jets fans are going to love his celebrations more than they might love his goals because he literally like it was in Allentown, Pennsylvania. So, but he was beaking, like, he literally like held his hand up for like five seconds as he's skating along the glass, staring into the crowd, almost like saying, that's right. That's right. But anyways, McGordy, he had a couple of goals, Brad Lambert, he had a big bomb on the power play for Seattle as Seattle continues to roll. And speaking of the Winnipeg Ice, Winnipeg Ice, Seattle could end up being the WHL final. That should be a phenomenal one if that's the way it ends up. And of course, we've got to mention Danny Jilkin, the 2022 third rounder. It's on the Illegal Curve Instagram. If you didn't see it, he scored an absolute phenomenal goal yesterday for Kitchener. So uh, a big the, the prospects are a coming and the prospects are a doing. And we try and keep records of that. So if you didn't get a chance to see some of those highlights, 
make sure you check them out. We've got them on illegalcurve.com in the notes. I think it's note six today. If you want to check that out, six. or usually it's three or four notes, Dave. But you I got I got well half half a dozen deep here. I got a Jets note, then I got the the post game show note, then I got a moose note, then I got an ice note, then I got the Saturday show note. That's five. And then, of course, I had the prospects note. And, of course, T. Kona Pauly's reminding me of Dom DeVincentis and what he's doing in with the Brampton battalion. battalion. Yeah. With the battalion, you know, yeah. And you know who used to play for the Brampton Battalion or something who? battalion? Jason it's North Spezza. Bay now. It used to be Brampton. Yeah, Brampton. Spezza. Didn't Don That's Cherry right. used to own Brampton or something? That's right, because Don Cherry just tweeted out. Whose birthday was it? Was it Bobby Orr's birthday? What was it? It was someone's birthday recently because Don Cherry tweeted out a picture and it was like Spezza and Bobby. He's he's going to be waiting for that text, Dave. If you didn't text him. Well, speaking of birthdays, and I'm not even joking because I know we oh, say this way, all. Sorry, Dave. Happy happy belated <laughs> birthday. <laughs> no, but is it Weaver's birthday today, or is that a joke? Like, is it is it actually Weaver's birthday today? Because I, I went on his profile for a quick second on on Twitter, and the little balloons showed up. So in my head, I was oh, like, well, if wait it is, if the balloons show up, then it's his birthday. I think it might happy be Weaver's birthday, Kenny. So if today's actually Ken Weave's birthday, because every birthday, every day is Ken Weave's birthday, but today might actually be Ken Weave's birthday. So if it is, we'll have to figure that out. But uh, lots of good things happening with Jets prospects. Lots of good things happening on this show. And hopefully you've enjoyed spending your Saturday morning with Ezzy, myself, Drew, John, Ted, the entire uh, crew bringing you Jets, Moose, Ice, and of course, NHL talk here on The Illegal. Phyllis is confirming it is, in fact, Ken Weeb's birthday Phyllis today. Knows. Phyllis knows everybody's birthday. There you go. Yeah, well, hold on. July 24th, by the way. I was just going to say, does Phyllis know when our birthdays are? I Now, I gave you guys a clue because my half birthday, which I celebrate, was on March 15th. So, you guys, the Ides of March is my half birthday. So, hopefully. Is that a uh, thing? Our half it's only, thing? only only with my mom. My mom calls me and wishes, she goes, it's your half birthday. Well, that's cute. That's just adorable. And, and I always say to my mom, like, okay, so what's half my present for my birthday? <laughs> And Phyllis, don't get, don't get me anything this year, Phyllis. I mean, you're, what you got me for my 40th birthday was enough. 41st isn't very important. So wait till there I'm 45 go. and then you can get me something. Something nice for Ezzy. Well, um, whew. well, where's Frosty with the sponsors? I'm waiting. You know, I, again, be, this show has been a little bit off the rails as because Drew started things. And so I was kind of expecting Drew to, to end things. But instead, it's, it's me who's having to end things. And so, of course, you know, that means I have to have the on-air reads ready to go but i mean we're waiting for frosty he's i don't want to say he's a little derelict here but uh you know it's, it's already a, no 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 it's not that i don't know it i just like to have frosty pull it you know, up Dave so rumors have... restaurant and comedy club no 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 as 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 speaking of dr like les rikas i bumped into less give him a big hug less a huge sponsor of illegal curve and a sponsor since day one day one day one day one yeah. He's our day one also dentist. Shout out to Dr. Anu Singh, who's my dentist, Stafford Dental, watches Whoa. Illegal Curve religiously. Um, so I have to give a shout out to Dr. Anu Singh as well. There you go. But uh, thank you, Bailey, who remembered that my birthday is September 15th, or she was able to calculate six plus six months after March 15th. But I don't really care. I'll just pretend that Bailey remembered that it is, in fact, my uh, my half birthday or my full birthday and when it is. But first of all, we want to say thank you to all of you for joining us and spending your Saturday morning with us. Ariella just thank- came in, so let's wrap this up, Dave. I have to pray. Okay. A big thank you to all of our sponsors of the Illegal Curve, of Illegal Curve, who make the post-game show, the Saturday show, and the website a possibility. They are, Ezzy, in no particular order. Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Linden Market Dental Center, Zapia Group Realty, Betway, Tough Duck, Boston Pizza, Seagram's, Rolly's Transfer, Grid Park, and The Keg. Support these fine businesses because of their continued support of the illegal curve mm, hockey the keg 
I had the keg recently. It was very steak. good. It's always excellent. I want a steak right now. I can make you one. I got one in the freezer. I'll take it out for you. Are you a medium, medium guy? Mm, I'm a North Ender, so we tend to go more well. I don't, yeah, I don't, I, I, I can't I don't do, do the I whole don't do medium rare. That's why I do medium, medium. Like medium, yeah. medium is a step up from from medium rare. I, yeah, I'm not. I like, I'm not a rare I, like guy. A little, I like a little toughness, Dave. Yeah, yeah, I'm from the North End. I can't, I can't enjoy things too much. Otherwise, I forget where I'm, where I came from. Uh, as he, unlike uh, Drew, that south, that soft oh, yeah, South Drew, Ender Drew's for sure a medium rare guy. Oh, he's probably, like he's probably he's a, a blue guy. Car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a fancy guy. He's yeah. a fancy guy. Thanks, Kim. Anyways, thank you all for joining us here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. A reminder, we will be back with you after the Jets and Kings conclude on the Illegal Curve post-game show. So for Ezra Ginsburg, See you in a few hours, Dave. Drew Mandel, for Dave Manuk, your host, your temporary host, I thank you for joining us here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday, and we will see you soon. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, Follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.